This is how we're doing the show from now on. <laughs> Fucking deal with it and shit. It's like uh, Tool Time, his buddy who lived next door. <laughs> Looking down the barrel of a gun, son of a gun, son of a bitch, getting paid, getting rich. Patton, patton. Uh, welcome, friends, <laughs> to another fine home episode of Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernardin. Hey! How? Oh. As we say when we're at the Scum and Villainy Cantina, which we're not tonight, sadly. No crowd. Um, but we got a taste of the Scum and Villainy Cantina with us, as always, is Banff Man. Banff Man. Such Bam. excellent. So, my, I, I've rebuilt the entire show from the ground up to use some new Zoom technology, and all of the buttons are in different places, so I'm going to be a little bit slow. That's why we were late today. It was not Kevin and Mark's fault today. It was me. Look at that. Look at him taking the fucking bullet. Somebody said before we went, I think it was Anthony Parkinson in chat, said, um, Madonna's not this late. <laughs> We all got scared. Uh, <laughs> None of us want to get sued. So no. we started the show, even though we were ill-prepared. We just fucking dove into it, and now we're here, kids. How's Fuck everyone? It. We'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> Figuring shit out on the fly. Um, we've got so much to play with tonight, man, to talk about, uh, to sell. Uh, mm. But before we do anything, we check in. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, Kev. How are you? So good. How yeah. you been? And Banff Man, oh, he took off. We should ask him. <laughs> it's like, you Banff. don't care how I am. Yeah, how you doing, <laughs> Banff Man? <laughs> uh, I'm good. It's been wild. Um, uh, you guys always have top secret projects to talk about. Um, oh, I know you got now one. I do, but I can't talk about it for a few months. Uh, but we talked about it after um, a meeting on your new movie uh, a lot. And it's very exciting. So, this is big news uh, that he's got, and it's cool. And we should all be happy for JC. Um, once he's able to share it, you're all going to be like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Can we just end the show now so he can tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. You can, can't you mute it? And he could tell you off. Oh, you could text it to him right now. I, yeah, I could, I'll text him. <laughs> text him. So he's not, otherwise, the whole show is what is it? We'll, we'll um, get a we'll get a live reaction. Mark, we'll see Mark's reaction, and then uh, everybody can get. That's good. Yeah, there like, you go. Now don't like, accidentally say it out loud, Mark. Okay. Like right, second Mark. baby or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not a second baby. <laughs> yeah, take that off the table, kid. You're running for office. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Mark got the uh, Did Mark it? got the text. We'll see what he's what's it now. I'm eagerly awaiting. Yeah, we're all it had, It's it's coming through now, Con. Oh, <laughs> excellent reference. Excellent. <laughs> oh, respect. Like literally, though, it hasn't shown up yet. Uh, it's on your text, your phone text. Not oh, the, okay. Not the Zoom text. <gasps> Ooh. Right? Nice. Aren't you happy for our boy, Banff Man? No, Banff Man boy now is Banff Man. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Uh, 
bananas <laughs> banana stand in chat goes it's a dick pic can you imagine <laughs> yeah man look at all these veins <laughs> mark was like i've never seen a more wretched hive of scum and villainy uh, just because you mentioned all the veins um i uh i i'll just talk about it no we've been doing a lot of um content for scum and villainy we started a tiktok we've been doing a lot of fun stuff on instagram and uh we have a new non-alcoholic cocktail called the true blood orange margarita and so i did a video of how to make the drink kind of and i used the theme song from true blood and jen had never seen true blood so we've been watching true blood and last night, this means nothing if you haven't seen True Blood, but we watched the episode where Sookie's brother drinks the vial of vampire blood, and the yeah. whole episode is about his giant, painful erection. So that's <laughs> what I'm coming. What, what? That's how I went to bed last night. With a that's how you're... Erection? Yeah. Well, that's how you're watching, to watching it on TV. <laughs> I was like, that's how I go to bed every night, Jay. <laughs> um, what about you, Mark? You've been going to bed with any painful giant erections? Um, no, no, I can buff that out in about an hour. Um <laughs> uh, no, I've been I've been working, man. I've been writing. I've been I've been on the hustle and the grind as one does. I've been finishing up uh, this Mace Windu book, giving some sort of final coloring notes and things before the first issue drops on February 7. And we are doing a signing at Golden Apple in Los put Angeles. Up, put up that ad, Banff, man. The first Ooh. of many on-screen ads that we're going to throw in your face tonight. Kid. Look at that shit. Mark, marvelous Mark Bernard going to Golden Apple right out here in Los Angeles. Indeed. It's a lunchtime signing. You can just skip out of work for a little bit. Come on down to the GA. I'll oh, sign up your book. That's smart, man. 11 to 1. Hey, you get a lunchtime signings? I never knew. Yes. Look at that. Fucking Mark Bernard, who sits here every week and periodically we're like, why are you doing this show? You're such a good writer. Gives away good ideas for free. Working in the Star Wars universe, kids. Who knew? Mace Windu book. That's kind of, And it's, it's for, for Marvel as well. Marvel and Lucasfilm, baby checking two boxes right there and nobody so far has has called me on shitting all over like boba fett or ahsoka oh from their organization yeah <laughs> are you scared of is the book out yet no on next wednesday are you scared of fan reaction um having lived through motu season one with me <laughs> you know if you don't get something right they will let you know there is nothing they can do to me that hasn't already been done. Look at you. You're so fucking seasoned. You're like <laughs> a veteran of the fucking internet wars. Hell yeah. Um, I am fucking over the moon this week because, uh, as you well know, uh, Masters of the Universe uh, colon Revolution dropped on Netflix last last week, Thursday night. And to say that I was, you know, bracing for, you know, here comes what I went through last time. Like, I, I remember they sent me the trailer, the final trailer, and in it, there's a gigantic card that says from Kevin Smith. And I had a serious talk 
with Rob at Mattel and Ted at, at Netflix to be like, kids, I love you. You got to take that out. You're just, you're <laughs> going to make so many people mad. They're not even going to want to watch this thing. And Teddy was like, you know what, Kevin, you did such a beautiful job of the story. Like you're, you're going to, I'm giving you your credit, whether you want it or not. Sweet sentiment. But the whole time I was like, oh no, oh, oh no. And so when that trailer went up, there were definitely some people like, Kevin Smith, ew, fuck it. And now I'm definitely, definitely not watching. So, and that just, that, you know, my entire career I've had that. Um, to say that like I was unprepared for the fucking reaction that we've gotten for this season is an understatement. The it, It's... Uh, a love fest people like absolutely are saying the nicest things they've ever said about my work i've right now that series has 100 percent on rotten tomatoes like go look at every other kevin smith project see if you can find one of those and shit um it's just it's so lovely like honestly it's so we opened in the top 10 and number six i think today we're at like number nine but it's it's staying alive and fucking thriving and and the fans are saying such lovely things uh naturally i love people who are like hey man i was here for the last one i'm here for this one but it feels really good when you hear from people who are like i did not like what you did last time i thought you broke it and boy did you guys fix it and fucking like stick the landing and like you know now make more is is lovely I, i just i can never i have no idea what the future's ever gonna fucking hold i really don't because i was just prepared for like well here it comes again it's gonna be like last time and people are gonna be mad at me not at all and they they saw how much like love and effort that uh, we put into it so thank you everybody who's like watching the show and everyone keeps asking like is there gonna be more like that's up to you kids (laughs) it literally comes down to there was only a revolution because revelations had the numbers to support it that was it like it was i've seen some people be like they started revolution when they started revelation there was not revelations was revelation was done everything was closed down and we waited for the show to come out and then we had to wait the requisite what is it three months or some such shit Mm. the algorithm algorithm it works everything out and then they give you all the information you've ever you you couldn't ask for about like how it was viewed how many minutes of it was viewed how many people finished all the episodes like it it was crazy and solely based on that were they like you can go forward but what they learned from the algorithm was like i mean this 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 was what they said to us like as they break all the information down they're like overall you had too many episodes they're like your show needs to be five episodes and so our they're like you go again but it's got to be five episodes and so we were like all right like fucking we we could do that and honestly having five episodes forces every choice to be like this is this got to be fucking epic worthy because we don't have that many minutes to play with there's not that much real estate so you're you're you know moving the story along at perhaps a more brisk pace than you would like maybe it'd be nice to have one or two more episodes let it breathe but we're playing the ball where it laid and shit and honestly because of that i think that helped it like that Mm. made people like the here you always want to leave people wanting more 
And overwhelmingly, people are like, I want more. When's the next round? When like this is when when is the next season? Blah blah blah. So in that way, us being forced to like, you know, all right, tell your story in five episodes instead of the luxurious 10 that we had last time. And it wasn't even like a, a budget thing. It was just like I, I can't even share. I'm, I'm not supposed to share information like this. I get in trouble with it. But <laughs> it really came down to them being like, this is what the algorithm says like it, like you would have gotten everything would have worked out better if you were only five episodes and that was it like our as you remember revelation broke in the middle of a story mm -hmm. and then told the back end of the story they were like you can fix everything by making it five episodes and i damn it if it didn't turn out to be accurate <laughs> you know i'm not gonna say it fixed everything but like it seems to have that seems to be the what everyone everyone's like oh this is it was so fast i want more and it's like better than you know oh it was long in parts and i could have done without that so it, uh, you know it's been lovely i've never been on the receiving end of a mainstream thing that has been received so well maybe the cw episodes that i directed and shit mm -hmm. but, you know normally i do dopey ass kevin smith shit so when anybody likes it i'm like who um this is you know playing with somebody else's toys and uh it's been lovely to be read people's fucking reaction but there were there were many people who were like give this guy a star wars and i'm just here to tell you no <laughs> never, never never in a million years like give it to mark mark mark's already in there he's he, he makes windowing it and shit like that no, not a <laughs> uh, I, but I'm I'm so I am very happy with what we did with Motu because we were able to fuse uh, and we did a, a bit of this in in Revel Revelation, but a lot more in Revolution. Weave in so much lore from so many different creators. Like I don't want to spoil it, but it's been out for a minute. But there's a character, a main character played by William Shatner who only came into existence not from the filmation run but from the mike young the productions run in 2002 and became a big part of the mythos and stuff and so we got to play with that toy as well and it's like anybody who steps into a world where the like all the storytelling has been going on for years and years you have the luxury of like not having to do backstory and when you do do backstory you can reference like the greatest moments or reference important moments throughout like the, the store, the show's lore or the character's lore. Um, and, and it's, uh, it, you know, people, it, that's, it, 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 I can't, it's 180 degrees from the last time. Like, <laughs> and I know there were people that loved revelation and they're still there today going like, I was here for the first one too. But it was drowned out by a bunch of people that did not like it at all. And that doesn't exist this time around. I'm not saying everybody loves it. There's still some people who, who don't go for it. But overwhelmingly, it's been such a such a positive experience. The flip side of like kind of what, 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 what I went through last time. And so uh, that it's lovely. Thank you to everybody who's watched it and enjoyed it. And, you know, we we did it as you can see like a fuck ton of attention and care and love and um you know i get a lot of credit online everyone's like fucking kevin smith 
I, yes, I, I'll believe me. I, I know how deeply I'm in there and I know how important I am to it. But Teddy and Rob, like the two, the other two fucking pillars in Praternia, um, are, I couldn't ask for better collaborators. Not only are they my bosses, but Rob has written for the DC version of Masters of the Universe. And Ted has forgotten more than most people know. He's also the voice of Gwildor. He was a huge fucking Billy Barty fan and he could imitate his <laughs> voice. But he winds up playing Gwildor as well. But like, you know, people were like, oh my God, the fucking accuracy of that one flashback moment featuring Hordak leaving the room with that bundle. And everybody's like, is that the bundle what I think it is? Of course that bundle is what <laughs> but like they're like, oh my god, the fucking shocking accuracy, how it plays like right from the you know the, the secret of the sword of the, the the movie. Um secret of the sword. The um that kind of attention to detail comes from a longtime fan. Like Teddy poured over those flashback sequences because as a big fan of the franchise, he's like, I'll tell you what I would fucking love to see and what would make me lose my mind. So it, it like my deck was loaded. I had two fucking Titans of masters of the universe lore. Um, <laughs> who both, one is invested because like, you know, he's been, he's, he's at Mattel for heaven's sakes. And the other's invested because like, this has been his passion project from the jump we're only getting to make these cartoons or the animated series because teddy fought for it he was just like i, I he was the one that was like honor he's like just treat him like shakespeare he's gone you know i know there's goofy characters in there but just for once i'd love to see somebody treat them seriously and that was always our idea it was like you know it's fun and and fucking there's wizards and there's fights and you know fucking like the deaths are, are heartbreaking but not like fucking traumatizing you know um and into that you can weave like you can let them let these characters treat each other seriously and shit like that without changing what everyone loves about it and whatnot he just I, his watchwords were like please just treat them seriously like don't make jokes about them and shit like that like it's too easy Treat them like Shakespeare. Treat it as if like Shakespeare was right now. And that's why they all talk in like this very stentorian, like fucking, you know, I'm on the proscenium of a stage type, <laughs> type of way. But the gestalt of all the elements that you've got to throw in powerhouse animation. And Pat and Adam, our directors who were there with us last season as well, did an astounding job. Like People keep giving me credit for the transformation sequence. Like, that transformation sequence is fucking beautiful in episode five. Like, all I wrote was, you know, they transformed together. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and Pat and Adam, like, our artists had turned it into this beautiful, like, Sailor Moon homage that also is, like, fucking emotional. And then you pour Bear McCreary's genius score on top of it. Like, there were so many cooks. We had an amazing voice cast, and, and they all sound wonderful together, and every one of them treated it seriously. None of them came in like, what is this shit? And so it's it's a bunch of people, man. And and of course, all the work of everyone who's gone before us, the filmation show, the movie, which we pulled into canon or canonized, as they say, um, the Mike Young series, the comic books, um, like everything that ever existed. Um, there are a lot of people online who are very sweet who are like, you did this with He-Man, do it with Thundercats. I I 
couldn't because I knew the world of Masters of the Universe. I know a lot of people online have told me that I didn't, but I did literally grow up watching this cartoon. Um, and it was not, I didn't buy the toys because I was too grown up by then. And admittedly, as I've said before, I did a lot of mock watching where I was like, this is ridiculous. But I watched it religiously, <laughs> knew their mythology. And so I got to know even more once I got the job and shit where like suddenly I had access to the Mattel archives. And since I didn't buy the toys, I never had the mini comics and stuff like that. So it's a rich, rich tapestry. But like when somebody's like, do, do Thundercats, I, I, I'm not the guy like somebody I couldn't do Thundercats. I couldn't do um, um, Transformers like none of these cartoons. I know they exist. I know people love them and they were around when I was a kid, but I did not interact with them like i like i did with masters of the universe master of the universe i would have collected the toys but my parents were like no we did this <laughs> with star wars we're not doing a whole other thing because we were not a wealthy family so i'm so <laughs> delighted that people are into the show it, it makes me so fucking happy because again i i learned on the first season you are playing with somebody else's toys be careful and feels like you know second time up everyone was like some people are like whoo and some people are like now that's what i'm fucking talking about and some people feel like hey man this is more of what you did in the first season keep it up and stuff regardless very positive so it's been blissful now the big question i get online is like do you get to go again when's more coming to go back to what i said <laughs> have everything to do with the algorithm it'll have everything to do with how many people watch it right now Based on a comparison of the first go around, we are doing better, not just like reception wise, critically, but we are in the top 10 longer than we were with Revelation. Revelation, we were there for the first day, maybe the second, but then disappeared. We're still in the top 10 right now. So that to me, from a yeoman's point of view, says that we've started stronger. So that's a really good sign that we get to to do it again but it really comes down to how many people watch it so if you're watching it you're doing you're manifesting the future kids if you're like i want more of that you're just by simply watching it and i've seen many people on social media going like i've watched this is my fifth time watching it all of that is wonderful and all helps so thank you mark some people have asked mark who was mark and i said mark was Mark was working for Marvel at the time. <laughs> I was in Wakanda. Yeah, he was in Wakanda. He couldn't go to, to, to fucking Eternia because he was playing around in Wakanda. These are these are rich people problems at that point. But I was like, Mark, can you join us in Motu? And he was like, no, I'm over at Marvel now. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> My travel agent had me booked. He's like, yes. you're going to Wakanda, champ. No more there Eternia love well. for you. Uh, oh, but, but we can combine the two. Oh. If there's a season three, if you if you come back for Massive Universe, I don't know, reparations, then I will be here for it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Everyone's been wondering what the third one's going to be, and no one has said reparations yet. <laughs> uh, ben, you had a point? I. Uh, it, it takes like two years to make the show, right? Yeah, a long time. Uh, not because it's like, oh, it's so hard. But when you do the writing, like the writing is done like that. The, the you know, we had designs from season one, but then there are, of course, new designs for new characters and updates of characters and stuff. But the boys and and um, there's, and I believe there was a third director as well, um, could, like that's, all the heavy lifting is theirs. 
like they and it takes a long time because they got to design everything then they got to do the the animatic stage of it that goes through approvals through you got to remember a bunch of different people like it comes to me for approval it comes to netflix for approval it comes to mattel for approval um i think that's it so, and so there's layers of yes before it can move forward and stuff so it's it's not just like drawing takes time that does but the process of everyone going like all right that's it to be fair that process has always moved fast on motu because everyone involved is so it's not a job where they're like oh, it's just one of 19 things i have to do like even teddy who's who's like you know he's done wednesday he's done uh fucking sweet tooth he's done the avatar live action that's coming like his string of netflix shows is is fucking massive and represents current pop culture stranger things was his as well so even though he's got everything else to manage he's one of the first people responds when he gets an animatic because he's watching it as a fan he's just like oh my god i get to watch a brand new fucking masters of the universe cartoon and it's you know in its most nascent form pencil sketches but like him rob me we got back fast as soon as it comes in we're watching it and fucking giving any notes now to be fair most of my notes are literally this holy fuck that was amazing like that's it i i really <laughs> robin and i'm i'm a terrible boss in as much as i won't i'm never the guy that's pushing for more because i'm like well i can't do that and that's fucking awesome um rob and teddy will always find a way to be like we can improve this we can push this up and stuff like that so if you ask everyone at like powerhouse how many notes i've ever given them on like art and story you know and, and like what when i watch the like i'm the guy when i watch the pencil fucking animatic I'm like, put this on fucking Netflix now. Like, that's <laughs> utterly watchable. And they're like, please, let us animate it. Like, let us do our thing and shit. Um, so, yeah, they, 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 those cap, to go back to the question, JC, what was the question? Well, so I was going to ask, if it takes two years to do the, just animate and get the approvals on the show, is there any way that there's like an amuse-bouche of a He-Man Christmas special while we wait? I, I look i never say never but i just don't see how the timing of that would work like because the moment that first off we'd have to get that approved and that they'd probably be like well we have to wait for the algorithm to come back for a revolution so we'd be waiting anyway but then we'd be adding work to work the idea would be in the next season to christmas it <clears throat> we've we haven't really picked a season before but it could take place at christmas time and if you've watched revolution to the end to the bitter end you kind of like see the direction that we're headed and christmas family like these are things that like would be at home where we're going in the future and that's i could fucking say but you honestly it doesn't take a fucking soothsayer to see where we're going by the end of the fucking episode in our post-credit sequences we fucking telegraph <laughs> where we're going and it is very very badass it's it's very cool so fingers crossed that we get to do it again but honestly if the algorithm came back and was like nah no none of people watch it no, we're not gonna do it again 
I could never complain because the love that we've received for this season alone was like worth the trip. Um, and, and to have, to have people be like, Oh my God, fucking like you, you gave me the thing that the, the version of this that I've been waiting for my whole life, like all that shit is so gratifying that even if we didn't get to go again, I'd be like, it doesn't matter. We did it and people dug it and blah, blah, blah. But I honestly like knock wood right now. Things look very positive. Yeah. I mean, a Christmas special would be awesome, but you would have had to have like, we're doing six instead of five. And one of them is a special that we will drop six uh, months after. That's just like, I have such vivid memories of watching that. The, the OG one, like when I was like, oh God, I made five or six years old. I remember that so well. It was so exciting. Somebody in chat said, uh, so some contracts are signed allowing that to happen. No, there's like nobody's, there's no contracts in place. Right? I mean, you know, there's contracts in as much as like people who've returned. If if we were having people return, like we did with season two, I, I'm sure there's some, exi- I don't see that shit. That's above my paper, <laughs> paperwork. But they don't, it's not like we're all contracted. Like we weren't contracted for season two with season one. So when season one ended, that was it. We had to wait for it to come on. When it came on, we had to wait for the fucking algorithm. So once the algorithm came through and said, yeah, you can go again. It'll be five episodes. We were like, great. We had to get the whole fucking team back together. They were off doing like the boys and and powerhouse went off to do more Castlevania or fucking they do that Greek God show or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was off doing fucking Clerks 3 and, and other things. And and then when they were like, okay, we are going to go again, everyone had to pull back together. So same thing here. Like, we're done. And, like, the writers have been done forever. Uh, the voice acting has been recorded a long time ago. Um, you know, and I'm, I can't remember the last time we even did pickups on it, um, which that was like six months ago. So it's been put to bed for a while for everybody but the animators. Like, you know, the the powerhouse crew works until I think they, you know, delivered a few days before it went live on Netflix. Because I know, you know what? Yeah, I shouldn't. We 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 had a last minute. We... I'm not, you know, I'm just going to stop. I don't want to lose this fucking job. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. It's, it's it, inside baseball and stuff, but there were. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was done pretty fairly recently. The paint not because wet. like the kid, animation kids take so long or so. It's just like, you know, bear fucking recorded his score. I guess he locked before we started the 430 movie he was already done and you know he composes and then granted he got to reuse a lot of the themes that he created for revelation but he created new themes he had to create a theme for hordak and shit like that and he also plays the scenes so he'll compose to the scenes so he put in a whole new round of music and then you know he'll he composes it at home and then he conducts it with an orchestra um where he's on zoom and he has a full fucking like 100 piece orchestra that's why those things sound so fucking powerful in um, Prague or whatever is that where's our yeah, <laughs> yeah budapest i want to say mm. 
Um, but he's been working with them for so long now. He's like, when I first started working with them, because he uses them for like, he does, you know, a bear, to, of course, does um, Lord of the Rings on Amazon. Mm. He does, he walking Dead. But the orchestral stuff he does, um, he tends to go big orchestra with that, the Budapest group, which now knows him and he knows them very well. And they're, they're nice. astounding. But yeah, it's, I'm sorry, I'm probably talking about fucking Motu way too much. Um, but I'm just so nice to not have to be like, yeah, Motu, moving on. <laughs> Giddy like a schoolgirl. Oh, good Lord. Um, we have, we found a few shirts because when we did Motu Revelations, Revelation, we did Re- a Revelation Celebration at Jane Silent Bob Secret Stash. Man, man, throw up that t shirt. This is by Captain Ribman. It is uh, Jay and Silent Bob as He-Man and Skeletor. Um, and that was the shirt that we gave out when we did that uh, uh, Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation Celebration. Um, we just found like a fucking bunch of them in the warehouse. Ooh. So we put them up on sale earlier today. If you go to jayandsilentbob.com, you get one of them sweet shirts, kids, for their, while supplies last. I believe there's only 40 left. There you go. Um. Okay, that's the last thing I'll say about Motu tonight. <laughs> um, should we do? Should we do an ad before we get into the the rest of the the fun times? We yeah, we should because kids, we're so lucky tonight. Uh, we got a brand new sponsor, man. Please welcome to the show, the good folks at Tushy. Tushy, how cute is that? Hello, Tushy. Um, over 3 million butts love Tushy kids get 10% off Tushy with the code fat man at HTTP colon backslash backslash hello Tushy.com slash fat man. Uh, hashtag Tushy pod. And now you're sitting there going, what is Tushy? It's exactly what you're probably thinking. It is. Are you Tushy? Let's see what they call it. Tushy. Tushy is a fucking it's a it's an ass douche, right? It's, it's a bidet, it's as a the bidet. French call it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I know this because even before they joined us as sponsors, my kid, when she still lived here and her boyfriend during the pandemic, they got a tushy and applied it to their toilet. And so during the pandemic, I would sneak down to her bathroom when they weren't around and use the fucking tushy because it was so good. This kids, you know, you wipe your ass, you wipe your ass with toilet paper and shit. And we all know you can dig and dig and dig, but very rarely do you get every fucking piece, which means that you're sitting around with a fucking crack full of bacteria and whatnot. And then you could go with wet wipes, but Oh God, that creates a fucking fat berg in the fucking sewer system and shit like that. How else to clean that filthy little asshole of yours? Do you have a filthy little asshole? Well, guess what? Tushy going to help out, man. You sit down on this thing and you turn the dial when you're done. Little fucking bar comes out, sprays, jet sprays water straight up your asshole, man. Just water picks all the shit out every nook and cranny, man. You want to test it? Take a Thomas English muffin, put butter on it, and then fucking take Tushy and fucking (laughs) spray it back and forth. Watch all that butter. Every nook and cranny gets clean. Because Tushy knows how to clean the asshole, man. Uh, Tushy, I'm telling you, we all giggle and shit, but poo-poo's a part of our lives and whatnot. For a limited time, our listeners are going to get 10% off their entire order at hellotushy.com. 
Go to H-E-L-L-O-T-U-S-H-Y.com and use the code FATMAN for 10% off, man. It's time to get rid of those skid marks once and for all, my friends. Mark, you got any experience with the tushy like I do? I mean, listen, I I I thought you might have needed like an age gate for a tushy because it sounds intimate. Sure. It's it sounds like you're going for it, but hey, man, like uh, it's it's it stays clean and hygienic with its patented self cleaning smart spray. The nozzle self cleans before and after each use automatically. The buildup resistant design helps to minimize grime buildup, and even has antimicrobial knobs which also sounds dirty. The bidet stays clean just <laughs> like your booty. Every tissue bidet comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and a 12-month warranty. It's risk-free to join over 3 million real pooping humans who have made the switch to a cleaner and more confident butt. I'm I'm all for talking more about this. You know, everyone's like, oh, fuck, I don't want to talk about assholes and shit. It's time. Look, the more we talk about assholes, the more we confront the assholes, the better life will be and shit. And the first asshole you ever got to confront your goddamn own start in your own backyard and shit literally in your own backyard and whatnot keep that asshole clean as a whistle you can do it with tush you don't even have to touch it yourself no more fucking like oh my fingers went through the toilet paper and shit like that tushy just sandblast your asshole clean man in the most <laughs> pleasant way these what pipes are clean oh yeah <laughs> it's fucking when a tushy's done as it pulls back in you hear the voice of the lady from Poltergeist going, this ass is clean. <laughs> Voice not guaranteed as a part. No. What are you waiting for, man? Fucking toilet paper is bad for the environment. With Tushy, you use 75% less toilet paper. Um, the whole bidet stays clean and shit with its patented self-cleaning smart spray. Um, and it comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and 12-month warranty. So you can use this shit for a month. Literally clean your asshole for a month and be like, I don't want it anymore. And you'll send it back and they'll be like, we'll take it. Thank you. Thanks for trying. It's got a 12-month warranty, man. It's risk-free. Join over 3 million real pooping humans, as Mark said, who've made the switch to a cleaner, more confident fucking butt. Get the fresh out of the shower feeling at hellotushy.com. Fun to say. For a limited time, our listeners get 10% off your entire order when you use the code FATMAN, all one word, at checkout. That's 10% off your order at H-E-L-L-O-T-U-S-H-Y dot com with the promo code FATMAN. It's time to back that ass up with confidence. Not a line that I wrote, they wrote. I appreciate their copy is naughty. They're like, look, you know what our business is? Assholes. So we're going to be frank about it. Uh, with fine look at woman. Why don't you back that ass up? <laughs> Say you look good. Would you back that ass up? <laughs> we uh, thank the good folks at Tushy for fucking sponsoring this episode of uh and beyond we here at fat man beyond we co-sign a clean asshole we'll literally do it for you if you spread your cheeks you come to the live show and speaking of live shows nice uh bamf man throw up that piece of artwork advertising a very special event at smod castle cinemas in new jersey based around mark bernardin Oh, my God. I, I held out as long as I could. There it is, kids. The Ides of Mark have returned, man. Uh, what's the date we're doing it? Uh, March 15th and 16th. The Legit oh. Ides. Uh, the Legit Ides. Uh, it starts off with a double feature on Friday night, man. That's uh, Fat Man Beyond. Mm -hmm. Me and Fat Man Beyond live. It'll be streamed. You can watch it on the internet and whatnot. 
And then afterwards, we're having a secret screening. Mm. Can't say what it is, but look at that artwork. <laughs> we can't say what it is, but dig, if you will, a picture. Oh, yes. We can't say what it is, kids, but you come to Smodcast on on fucking March 15th, let's go crazy. Let's get nuts. (laughs) You want to get nuts? (laughs) No, not that. (laughs) Although, there's a tangential connection in a weird way. Um, So anyway, on March 15th, we're doing Fat Man Beyond at night, and we're following Fat Man Beyond immediately with a free secret screening. Yes. Very cool Friday night movie that everyone's going to. It'll make people as happy as if they were masturbating with a magazine. (laughs) That's right. The Ides of March. And then the next day on uh, March 16th, we're Mm going to do uh, two more movies, man. Mark is showing uh, at 1230 Blade. Yep. The OG. Doomsday. Doomsday. And if you've never seen Doomsday. You owe it to yourself to see Doomsday because Doomsday is a different movie every 20 minutes and every one of those movies is a movie that you love. It's like, ooh, do I love 28 Days Later? Excellent. It's here. Do I love Escape from New York? Excellent. We got there. Do I love The Road Warrior? For shizzle. Do I love Excalibur? Absolutely. And so you can just take a fucking daisy chain tour through genre confections all in the same movie. It's, it's gonna so be much fun. Fun, fun pair of days, kids. Come Friday night, March 15th. Saturday, March 16th, we're celebrating the Ides of Mark, man. Come see us do Fat Man Beyond at Smock Castle Cinemas. One of our greatest shows we ever did, I think, was like the last time we did it at Smock Castle Cinemas. But so great vibe, fun. great crowd. Come on out and join us. Tickets right now at smodcastlecinemas.com or csmod.com. Uh, and what else, before we dive into the news, what are the other things, JC? I sent JC no, a or- You got the, the bendies. Oh, yeah. Throw up that major bendies, man. It sounds like I got like something like an old time <laughs> disease. Like you got the shingles. You got the bendies. <clears throat> You've been diving uh, too much. The uh, major wrestling uh, podcast uh, is doing these major bendies of Jay and Silent Bob, man. So you can have Jay and Silent Bob fighting fucking Sergeant Slaughter um, and, and, and Sergeant Slaughter beating both of us, pinning both of us, if you will. Uh, throwing us outside of the ring. They're like the old wrestling bendies, man. They look like that. So they, they're they doing custom order. Um, you can order up to February 5th, man. Go to majorbendies.com uh, to get those. Uh, hey, Cruise Askew is coming up 25, 26 days from now, man. 24 days. Yeah, What is it? 24 days. Wow, 24 days, man. Join us on the high seas. Uh, it's me, it's Jay, it's Mark Bernardin, it's Ralph Garman, it's uh, Andy McElfresh, it's Brian O'Halloran, it's Jeff Anderson, it's Jason Lee, it's Ethan Suplee, it's, uh, oh shit, the list goes on, man. Trevor Furman, Elias is going to be there, Jennifer Schwalbach-Smith. Um, it's good times, kids. This is our first cruise, man. We're going to read the clerk, the, the original Clerks 3 script, the really sad one. And you're like, there was a sadder version of Clerks 3? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going through some shit. And uh, then we're going to read the Mallrats 2 script. You know, it's going to be a good-ass time. Um, Ming was just on the Impractical Jokers cruise with Brian Quinn, our friend Brian Quinn. And, and uh, we're doing it with the same company, Sixth Man. Uh, and he, M- Ming was like, oh, my God, it was so much fun. You guys are going to have a blast. 
So Ming, I think, might be coming on our cruise as well. But uh, that's happening soon. Tickets, kids, uh, at cruiseaskew.com uh, if you want to join us, man. Uh, then uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, this weekend, Thursday. Yeah, look at this. Never mind this weekend. We'll do that. We made a huge announcement yesterday. Chronicon, kids. There's actually going to be a real-life Chronicon, man. Thanks to the good folks at Astronomicon, who we met when we did the Astronomicon show back in June. They were like, why don't you have your own con? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, why don't you have KevCon? I'm like, fucking, it makes no sense. And I was like, well, KevCon seems a little fucking arrogant. But, like, if you're telling me that you would like to do a real-life Chronicon, like, you know, I being able to make shit from my stupid ass movies come true in real life. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> And we built Chronicon. So it's happening in October. It's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. Some people are like, why not Jersey? Chicago's easier for both coasts to get to. Also, we have a very nice Illinois fan base. Thank the Lord. Uh, but also we're doing it at a place. It's very sentimental favorite to us. We went to the wizard world convention at the Rosemont uh, Hyatt Regency for years, me and Jay. So when we were talking with the Astronomicon kids about where to go, you know, they're like, yes, of course, starting in Jersey makes sense. But like, you have the theater there. Like, it feels like we're going to try this. Let's try it out in a market that's not necessarily geared to it. Let's try Chicago. And I was like, can we do it at the Hyatt Regency where we went to the fucking Wizard World every year and fucking the Beatles com was happening at the same time and shit? And so that's where we're having it. So it's a sentimental favorite to us. It's the get we haven't announced anybody but me and jay but like the guest list is fucking nuts we're celebrating both the 30th anniversary of clerks and tusk as well so uh <laughs> and plus a bunch of other things but it's basically going to be like the cruise but on land um three days in chicago well out on the oscars chicago you fly in o'hare that fucking hotel is like five minutes down the road man it's gonna be a good ass time and if it works then we'll take it to the west coast to the east coast and everywhere else man chronicon straight from the from the frames digital frames of jay and silent bob reboot chronicon happening in real ass life tickets go uh tickets at chronicon for real.com f-o-r for real uh and then this weekend uh or this uh rather this week thursday and friday i'm gonna be on the radio again last week i took over for gary and shannon they were off on thursday and friday kfi a.m uh, 640 uh, in, in Los Angeles, but everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And um, so they're gone again this week. And they asked, hey, man, you want to come in and take over? Guys, fuck, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked me, like, why are you doing this? And I was like, because I, I don't live far and I love the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> those are the only two qualifications that I need to be asked to do a thing. And I did it. If you want to book him for a thing. Somebody asked, aren't you getting paid? I'm like, no. Should I? I never even thought to ask <laughs> about money. I thought it was cool that they let me take over the radio for a day. <laughs> I mean, it is AM radio. Like, if there was money in AM radio, there'd Bro. be lots more people doing AM radio. There's money in AM radio, and I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm going to find it and I'm share it with you. One day, you're going to be sitting there going like, I can't believe we got rich at AM radio. I'm like, yes! Because nobody else was here. It's just right. Dude, everyone went to podcasting. <laughs> I went to podcasting in 2007. Now the whole fucking world is in podcasting. Everyone abandoned radio. Now's the time to run back, take over. Nobody's there. <laughs> they left the lights on. The mics are on. Let's, let's fucking go. They didn't even lock the doors. They didn't even think <laughs> anybody would want it. Exactly. <laughs> FM, maybe they locked one of their doors. AM left the doors wide open. So I went in and hung out. And it was a blast, dude, because I've always loved radio. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is the life... 
would have been fucking amazing for me. I'm like doing film is like telling any visual story for me. It's not my first language. Like it's almost like learning Spanish, taking high school Spanish and then trying to go to Spain and pass, you know, as somebody who's fluent and shit, like, but talking like this shit. Oh God. That's I've been doing that since like fucking, I started talking I'm <laughs> my whole life. that I could do without fucking it up. Relatively speaking. So I, you know, I I've, I've been having fun with it. I'll go back anytime they ask me, but don't you fucking poo poo AM radio money. <laughs> there's gold in them and uh, am radio hills I, I promise you there's always money in the am radio stand <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> someone in uh, sinful hands in chat says i'm here because of am radio there you go we did an informal poll at babylon the other night we did a babylon show if you want to watch it it's right here on youtube.com slash kevin smith but on saturday night we did babylon at flappers and um there was, uh, while I was there, I was like, hey, man, fucking like, because we, on the Monday of that week, the Monday before that Friday, we were at only 86 tickets sold. And then by Saturday showtime, we were sold out. So, and we sold out the night before. So I was like, that has to be me sitting on AM radio, KF out talking about, hey, man, fucking, we're doing a show right down the street. I kept throwing to it every hour. So in the room, I was like, hey, man, just want to do an informal poll. How many people are here tonight? Because they heard me on kfi am literally three people clapped out of 200 <laughs> it's like do i have a radio in my car <laughs> it was it was crazy embarrassing because <laughs> i was i really thought that i had fucking cracked the code and shit and ralph was like how many people here because the ralph report the whole fucking audience <laughs> winds up applauding and i was like well never mind perhaps it's perhaps am radio doesn't have as much reach as i thought it did but i'm still happy to sit in and do it did anybody here get my telegram Oh, I sent one to everyone. Please come. Oof. But I've had, I've had a good time doing it. So, Excellent. yeah, it's uh, Thursday and Friday. You can listen. If you got an iHeartRadio app, you don't even have to be in Los Angeles. I asked them. I was like, who listens to AM radio? They're like a shocking amount of people. And I was like, what, like in their cars? And they're like, well, yeah, some people listen in their cars while they're driving. But uh, she was like, we're on the iHeart rap and KFI, iHeart app, and KFI is really like high up there, like either number three or sometimes number one. Wow. So I was like, what? Why? And she's like, this is Los Angeles. Like, talk radio in Los Angeles, one of the biggest cities in the world. I'm like, yeah, I guess that, I guess that makes sense. Just never thought about it before. So and it's I'm also always on in nursing homes. Like, that's the station that they just leave on. Who do you think I'm trying to <laughs> Jane Silent Bob fan, fucking Mark? Like, <laughs> I lost the youth. Now I'm going for the elderly and shit. Who loves cruises? Senior citizens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now you see. Now you're getting it. You know, who, you, know who, you know who's comfortable in this world not worrying about paying bills and shit? Seniors. They oh, get yeah. security checks, man. They got to be entertained. It's me or fucking, you know, uh, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. If he's Alfonso Ribeiro. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's, it, I, 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 look, I'll take, I, I don't give a shit. Uh, uh, the, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the upside of maybe it is, maybe it is an old audience, Mark. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is on, in on, on, on nursing homes and shit like that. Here's the good news. None of those people have heard all my jokes or material. <laughs> <laughs> so I got 30 years worth of clerks jokes, ball rats jokes, game jokes that I could pull out parade for this brand new audience. And they'll be like, oh, he's such a charming young man. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, I've gotten my first double ARP emails. Like the minute I think you hit the the five O, when once that clicks over, suddenly like, hey man, you want some insurance? Hey man, you want to just I look, I refuse, I refuse to accept my old age. Adolescent till I die. But I'll tell you right now, I feel like AM, and maybe I'm just trying to manifest this, but I feel like AM is a little more punk rock than FM radio. <laughs> AM radio is the dude who rolls up on the Starbucks and pulls out his Smith Corona and sets it on the table and starts hammering away at his keyboard. Who don't love that fucking guy, Mark? <laughs> Everyone loves that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite. <laughs> oh, good God. Tune in Thursday. What are you doing Thursday or Friday? Want to come in on the radio? Uh, in the mornings. What? When is when is the signing of Golden Apple? Next Wednesday. Fucking doesn't matter. Come in this Thursday or Friday. I'll hook you up with Mondo, the producer and shit. Come in promote. If you're in town, I don't want to pressure you into something. You can also. <laughs> when does Splinter go wide? Let's talk uh, about Splinter goes wide on Friday. We flip it live to bro, the internet, bro. I can introduce you to the poem of AM radio. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who reads you know who reads mace windu comics people in senior communities <laughs> <laughs> that's who buys mace windu comics. it's a jedi for me <laughs> but you should you should tell me what day when we're done thursday yeah. friday roll up man you can even call him but rolling up makes you feel fucking cool and, and it's right around the corner from your house it's it's you know where it is you know where the whole foods is in the valley yeah like in burbank right next door to warner brothers okay that's where it is, it. where we went to strike and shit. Mm -hmm. um, it's in that plaza where the Mortons is. Yes, that I know. All right, so fucking, yeah, you come on, you'll legitimize that shit. You can talk about Mace Windu, you can fucking <laughs> sell, make sure you restock the, um, what's the t-shirt? Oh, Speaking I don't even know if they have that for sale anymore. Speak um, softly, but let motherfuckers know, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Be humble, but let motherfuckers know. <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. Come on the show. JC, a Banff man. Banff. So last time I was on, we had the um woman who created and runs Sugar Taco. Because they love doing a like a you know fucking local business person segment. We gotta do fucking scum and villainy, man. Uh, I'll come on. I get up early. I got a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying this is this is this is why this radio thing makes so much sense for me. I don't have to do the work. I bring in a friend, bring in another friend, and I can talk about your shit. I just love that you're you're recycling the Kevin Smith business plan for a different medium. <laughs> you see so fucking clearly, my friend. All that podcasting that since 2007 was just dress rehearsal for our futures in AM radio. Oh, the power of amplitude modulation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same place you go for hurricane news, <laughs> weather, traffic. That's where we're going to find this little fucking face right here. <laughs> Is there an earthquake happening? No. Kevin Smith's on the air. That's right. <laughs> Uh-oh, Congo Kids Club is saying this is not good. We should move on from this subject. Oh, no, this is great. <laughs> I, am, I am humbly rebuked. He's tired of hearing us talk about old man AM race. <laughs> Time to talk about something new and fucking... Mm. Welcome to my newsletter. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is like a pamphlet I'm handing out at the mall, but it's an um, email instead. Um, what, <laughs> uh, what news do we have? Um, even before we do the news, um, I've seen some shit in the world. Uh, are you up to date on True Detective Night Country? I have watched all three episodes of True Detective colon The Thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about True Detective colon The Thing? Um, there's only four episodes left, so they better get cracking. Mm -hmm. um, it, somebody said that they're tying it in with the first season. Of the OG True Detective? I mean, I think the whole, like, the spiral... Squirrely thing, right? That was Yeah, the symbol of Carcosa, I think, is what it was, and... And, uh, you know, it's it's apparently they're telling either a scientific or a supernatural story or a scientific supernatural story. Um, you know, I got a I got Max. I got HBO. I'm already paying for it. So it's no skin off my ass and it's well made. Um, and I, I'll watch Jodie Foster do anything. And who's the other lady? She's fantastic. Uh, Callie Reese, I think her name is. I think this is her first ever thing. Wonderful. Um, I'm also interested in like. Like, I don't want people to be like, what? How can you compare this to Miss Marvel? But it's a look into a culture that I had never looked into or seen into before. Mm -hmm. uh, like, remember Miss Marvel? We were like, holy shit, man. Fucking who knew? Like, we literally went into another cultural world. Uh, same thing here. Like, I, you know, you're, you're in, in the midst of them telling a story. They're taking you into a, a completely different world that I've not seen represented in movie after movie after movie and so on right. that level it's really interesting and it's also cool to see them casting a bunch of veritable unknowns like who are authentic to the mm -hmm. um you know some shit is the body tangle totally calls to mind the thing but these mm -hmm. cats weren't all fucking one fused together they're just all frozen together and slowly thawing out um horrifying moment i think it at the was it the end of one or in one when fucking the dude wakes up he's like ah! yeah yeah i think that's it's either one or two that suddenly he starts screaming yeah that fucked me up hardcore and then they go back to him in episode three and he's in the mm -hmm. hospital and he has a fucking moment where spoil i mean spoilers if you haven't seen any of this before because we're gonna go i mean we're obviously talking about details here but there's a moment where he does something supernatural before he goes back to just this hor horrifying screaming man, like who's lost limbs and fucking is, I guess his eyes, he tried to claw out and fucking mm -hmm. it, it's that, that was horrifying where it's just like, holy yeah. shit. But he's got that like father Karras moment. Yeah. When, yes. That's what, which, that's a great, great reference. Yeah. Which is, it is fucking horrifying. Yeah. Um, I kind I of I think they're doing a good job being scary. I mean, look, the I, I, it's definitely scarier than season two, except how season two is like it's scary how this is not season one. <laughs> um, and three, I feel I feel like it's scarier than that. There's more opportunity for horror in the in the the forty days of night world that they're telling the story. Plus, you start adding stuff like she's awake or and fucking ghosts walking in the in the in the darkness like you know it's it's it it does it's un it's it's doing a good job scaring yeah i mean it's 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 all unsettling right yes. like unnerving <laughs> unsettling. yeah 
the 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 atmosphere given that yeah the sun never rises um for 30 40 days whatever that is is like from the jump disorienting like there's people talking about having pancakes and it's dark out and people talking about like oh it's lunchtime and it's dark out like it's just always dark and that like removing that level of temporal awareness is is kind of freaky um the murder crime murder stuff is like all right clue trail i get it i understand it but for me it's working on this level of bring me into a world that i don't know which is namely like fucking out in the middle of nowhere alaska plus indigenous alaskans plus um you know like a mining town on the edge of the world like it's all just very very interesting and dense and the director isa lopez is doing a wonderful job of just like hitting you with these images that show you how weird and wonderful this kind of world is and yeah i'm fucking here for jodie foster man like i just it's it's kind of easy to forget because she doesn't work that often um just how fucking great she is we're talking know? about somebody who's been working since she was what seven eight years yeah old. and you could tell, like this is a lifer who knows how to even do something as simple as put groceries away on camera <laughs> make it look believable and natural like they're just a different breed apart the actors especially ones who've been doing it for decades because they make natural such insanely natural choices that it would never occur to me to even ask for in a scene or if i was in the scene do myself and she's one of those people where it's just like she's forgotten more about the craft than most people will ever fucking know because she's been doing it since she was a kid. You want to talk about 10,000 hours of practice, never mind the fact that she has a fucking Academy Award. She's just one of the greats, man. Big, big year for that and, and Nyad as well, right? Yeah. You know, and, and I remember I, I was listening to an interview with, with Issa Lopez, the writer, director, showrunner, who said that, you know, the dream of all dreams was to get Jodie Foster. And then Jodie read the script and wanted to have a meeting. And at that meeting, Jody was like, I really want to play an asshole. Can you make Danvers more of an asshole? Like, no redeeming qualities. She's prickly to everybody she meets. She lies all the time. Like, she's an unreliable narrator. Like, just go fucking hard. And 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 the director was, like, torn between her desire for it to be Clarice Starling, because I think that's everybody's kind of desire, and just make her an unrecognizably unrepentant douchebag. And the fact that that's what Jody wanted to do was fascinating. And she's uh, leaning into it. I don't know if Hank, well, Hank Hills says in chat, the ghost walking in the darkness that led the old lady to the bodies, mm -hmm. who is called Travis Cole. That's the name she keeps talking about. Travis took me there. Travis Cole is the father of Rust Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character from true detective season one yeah i mean i think in season one mcconaughey like rust does say that his dad lives in alaska or something to that effect um and hank hills fucking just also fed us a big i didn't i didn't i never made that connection never yeah, would, I, didn't remember that far back i didn't either like i also saw that somebody was connecting these dots on the internet because like not to say it's easy to do but when there's opportunities to be like how can we connect these two worlds and make it feel like a coherent thing just like yeah all right we're gonna have this old man character you all right jc yeah jc we keep hearing <laughs> you are you jerking off i think we heard you come weird Bam, man. 
Did you, are you in the my bathroom? My mic is not on. So why are you hearing me? We heard you. You were like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, look, we all like True Detective. <laughs> I was clearing my throat. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, um, yeah, it's it's totally good watch, man. Where do you think it's going? More scientific or more sci-fi or more supernatural? Um, it. it it seems like this is a world in which like the supernatural exists to people, you know, that this is a thin spot between realities between the afterlife and the, and the current life. I think it's one of those shows where there will be a scientific explanation, like these guys drilling into the core of the earth, into the deep ice flows, looking for ways to stop death, you know, could release some ancient fucking biohazard right like some spore of a plant that's been extinct for a billion years and that's what's making people do weird shit that's what's making people see weird shit that's what's making people it's affecting them in a neurotoxin kind of way and so they're scared and they run out into the cold all of that shit could be a scientific explanation or uh, in, oh, go ahead or yeah it's fucking ghosts you know it's the dead is coming back to haunt Skate Alex 2 in chat has an interesting take. It might also be mental delusion. Apparently the water is toxic, which mm -hmm. they have been telling us in the background of the story. And so maybe it's that. Maybe they all got fucking poisoned by this fucking horrible water. Yeah. And you see Jody fall. You see Danver go to wash her hands and suddenly all of the water is like gray and inky because the, the mind is fucked with everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I dig it. I'm 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 on board. I'm here for it. Um, I also saw, and I mentioned this to you earlier today, uh, this new documentary on Netflix called "The Greatest Night in Pop." Because you said that, I watched it. What did you think of it? Fantastic. Netflix. <laughs> I, I mean, two for two in terms of the random music documentaries that I clicked on. Like a couple months ago, I clicked on the Wham documentary one night. So good. Unbelievably <laughs> fucking good where i'm like holy shit man like not only do i know literally every song but like this is great like footage of them at their peak and they they both seem to really like each other and there was no like fucking like bitter war it's just like it, it and he one encouraged the other to grow as a music uh producer and then you know not just a songwriter but making music without went like it it, it was fantastic so mm. That was the last music documentary I watched on Netflix, High Bar. This thing matched it in terms of like, holy fuck, look at this footage. Look at yeah. all this fucking behind the scenes footage from something that we've seen our entire lives over and over again. But it's almost as if somebody moved the camera this way and you got to see the rest of the picture. So you're seeing like all the backstage stuff. You see Waylon Jennings leave. Like you see, I ain't singing in no Swahili. He just bounces. And you see a current day um, Sheila E talk about like feeling like they were just kind of using me to get to print. So that I just, stuff was heartbreaking, man. That really broke my heart, man. I was like, oh my god, because I was always happy to see Sheila E in the chorus of mm -hmm. "We Are the World." I mean, I was massive, and we still remain a massive Sheila E fan. But um, she, to hear her say like that she felt that way and then left. I mean, you know, at the same time, not everyone got a solo and stuff. But she did say at the end, she was like, look, I'm honored to be involved. Um, 
the uh, watching Michael Jackson do stuff that I've never seen him do on camera before. Mm-hmm. In as much as like create a song, well, you know, right there, of course, open for all sorts of interpretation. There's a lot of things that I ever saw Michael Jackson do on camera. Before. <laughs> um, compose a song like just by, and, and it was interesting as fuck. Lionel Richie was like, he couldn't play any instruments. So yeah. for him, it was all like, and he would sing every musical part. But Lionel Richie, I could see why Lionel Richie was like, can we please make this documentary? Because essentially this documentary <laughs> about the busiest day that Lionel Richie ever had. <laughs> you could make a whole fiction narrative, a whole movie about this one day where he is essentially hosting the American Music Awards at which he sweeps and wins a bunch of awards himself. And when the show is over, he literally goes down the street from my fucking house to right across the street where we used to have an office. Mm-hmm. What used to be the Chaplin Studios and then was A&M Records back in the day. I've always known it as the Henson Studios. I don't know what it is now. But we have... It still one- is. Is it still Henson? We had one of the bungalows there at one point. I had no idea that's where they fucking recorded <laughs> We Are the World and shit. And he had he got them all together over the course of a night until like 5, 6 in the morning and recorded that fucking song. While they're recording the song, they're also shooting that music video, which we all fucking saw. Mm-hmm. It's mind-bending how busy that dude was that day, and he got it all done. That I could I could see that guy going, can somebody please make a documentary about this? <laughs> Like, I guess we are the world happened, but it like a lot happened that day. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And then watching all the Quincy Jones stuff and the Huey Lewis stuff, I think was my favorite because Huey always felt like he's just like, why is he here? Huey but- was all of us. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Huey Lewis in We Are the World. We were like, there, there am I. Like, that's who I would be at that place. Like, yeah. I, can't I mean, the only legs. other avatar for the normal person is Dan Aykroyd, who's also fucking there. And you're like, which I thought about. And for the <laughs> first time today, understood Dan Aykroyd was a a gold record, multi-platinum record or multi-platinum, whatever the highest fucking record sales you could get for the Blues Brothers. So he wasn't there like, I'm Dan Aykroyd. He's half of the fucking Blues Brothers. And it wasn't that long after we'd lost Belushi or. I think maybe two years after Bushi died. But that makes sense. That never, like, I was never against it, but I was like, oh, I guess Dan Aykroyd wasn't busy that day. <laughs> well, of course they would have. I mean, he was fucking, like, a, literally a bankable music star. So I think I mean, he... I mean, yes. The Blues Brothers were huge, huge. They, they were huge, but nobody could be like, you know what, man? Blues Brothers, they wrote so many great original songs. They they, <laughs> they they went on to a long in history. You know, it's like there's Springsteen and then there's the Blues Brothers. <laughs> true, true. But to, let's be fair, Latoya Jackson was also there. I mean, I think like she and Rebe and whoever else showed up were just like driving Michael. You <laughs> know, was there as well. You know, what's really weird is that Latoya's there, but Janet's not. And one year later, you couldn't you couldn't miss Janet Jackson because that's when yeah, um, control and control drops and she becomes huge as big as her fucking brother almost yeah. eventually gets to be as big as Michael 
Um, but there's but, there's a uh, great like the wide shot of the entire like the the chorus of everybody and Michael's over here and the rest of his family it's all the way over there. Yeah. But the the craziest thing was like every now and again like we all know that song so fucking well even if we haven't heard it in like 25 years like we know it. And so every now and again in that documentary you would encounter the version of a lyric that's in the song. Right? It's like the Cindy Lauper stuff. Like she's like doing three or four test runs of it, and then she does the fucking thing, and you're like, "There it is, that's the one that made the cut, that's the one that's in the song," and it's just, it's kind of insane. It's kind of. I was doing that too. Spot the moment where it's like, "Oh, there's the real reading of that line." Yeah, yeah, and but Um, fucking poor Huey. Waxing in chat says, uh, "We are the world." Idea was taken from "Feed the World" that Bob Geldof did first in the UK. Yeah, they talk about that in the documentary. They have Bob Geldof there. <laughs> Bob Geldof comes in and tells him, you know, we did this, right? And then gives him a very rousing speech and shit. Yeah, they don't hide that. There's there's nothing, you know, there's not a lot of warts here. Like, that was the one thing, like, Jen and I were watching it, and, and uh, we were talking about, you know, it's 1985. It's some of the biggest music stars in the world. How much Coke is in that room? It's two in the morning. They're still <laughs> recording. Like... Yeah, like Al Jarreau is the only one who's a little inebriated. Like, I thought come that on. was a little that that was a little scandalous that they really <laughs> threw Jarreau under the bus. Where they're like, "Well, he was he was celebrating before we even fucking finished the song, and Watts coming in and going out." But what are the chance? Like, that was the one thing I was like, you know, nobody's going to talk about like they were doing anybody doing drugs. Not like it would have mattered, but it's like, how the fuck is everyone still awake four or five in the morning? Uh, Bob Geldof's speech certainly helps because he really <laughs> he really galvanized everyone in the room by telling you guys, them. Guys, all these children are dying. Yes. And now you have to sing a song. And, and like, Stevie wants to do it in African. Like, no, Stevie. Do how it. adorable was he though? Like, he's great. Stevie Wonder was was like playful and fucking puckish. And there's something he did. Oh where he sang for Bob Dylan as Bob Dylan. And they Mm. were like, Stevie is an excellent mimic. So he sang in Dylan's voice to Dylan to show him what to do in the song. So he was like, it's Julie Mega Brad. Hey, it was me. Fucking Stevie Wonder singing, like almost like making fun of Bob Dylan. Like, this is what you sound like. It's Julie Mega Brad. And Bob was like, I get it. And went and fucking sang it. That shit, like, Holy fuck, I really felt like I was a fly on the wall for some magic there. And also Stevie Wonder walking Ray Charles to the bathroom. I know the way. That was hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> somebody was like, somebody literally said out loud, that is literally the blind leaving the block. <laughs> and when they were singing, oh, you know, it was really heartwarming when like Harry Belafonte, they were done with the chorus and he was going to leave and they and they shouted him out. They were like, Harry Belafonte. And then what seems like Al Jarreau led a breakout rendition of um and everybody sang along like serenaded harry belafonte with his song the biggest musicians biggest rock stars the biggest acts in music at the time were all singing and stevie wonder made up a lyric about like him and ray driving (laughs) like you know getting a car with me and ray behind the wheel like that it was really like adorable but shit like that was like 
you know, I what? We never saw that. How beautiful, how human, and how yeah. long they recorded into the wee hours of the morning. It is called what? The greatest the, night. The greatest night in pop. Greatest night in pop. It's on Netflix right now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's also that bit. I mean, it reminded me so much of what the vibe is like in the green room of a comic book convention. Yeah. You know, where like once you remove kind of the trappings of prestige and the elevation of station and all that stuff, everybody's a nerd for something. And so for like Diana Ross to want to get like Cindy Lauper's autograph, and then suddenly they're all signing each other's fucking sheet music. Suddenly it's this big love fest of like, you know, Springsteen getting to talk to, you know, Billy Joel's like, yeah, man, we're just right across the bridge, getting to talk to Balafonte, getting to talk to whomever. Like they were all just kids, you know, playing with its theater camp. Uh, they all just happened to be the biggest music stars on the planet. It's kind of wonderful. Um, Banff. you know, they Prince not being there. Um, and Prince was like, I want to come in and do a guitar solo. And they're like, it's not the spirit of the thing. Um, so he didn't come in and whatnot. But they also talked about shit like the, they wanted David Byrne, but he was on tour. Mm-hmm. they wanted van halen but they were on tour um yeah. i had no idea it was recorded the same night as the american music awards that makes sense everyone was in town in one place one time mm-hmm. fascinating what, what do you got bad man i was gonna say i have a van halen related story to the we are the world which is neither here nor there but uh once upon a time the guy who cleaned your turtle cage was looking for a videographer and you gave him my number. He yeah. also cleaned the turtle cages at Henson, where that was recorded. So I went in with him for on a Sunday afternoon for hours and set up like a hundred GoPros to tape him in a hot for teacher drumming instructional video in that room. Which that's turtle that's turtle Mike. He's a drummer. Yeah. 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 So we recorded for hours hot for teacher in that room, but it was even at the end when I was walking out of there, you just felt how like the the bodies that had been in that place. You feel the weight of that how incredible that room is and how how historic that is. Uh so I I got to hang out and record hot for teacher in that room. Uh, that's that's nuts i've never been in that room i've been over to the henson studios but i've never been on a stage there and i'm sure if i was somebody might have been like you know what happened here (laughs) but i've lived i've lived up the block from there since 2002 and had no idea that that's (laughs) where the other world was recorded it's crazy yeah yeah they're like everybody got hungry like one o'clock in the morning so we got roscoe's chicken and waffles i was like look at roscoe's I loved when, especially like I've lived out here long enough. You know, I've lived out here since 2002. And even before that, I fucked with Los Angeles ever since, you know, fucking clerks got picked up. So seeing the old footage, like seeing the old rock and roll Ralphs on, on sunset, mm. or Hollywood, Hollywood sunset, which one's it on? Maybe it's on Hollywood. Sunset. I forget. Sunset. Sunset. Um, was fucking cool. Like, holy shit, everything else is gone. The Ralphs is still fucking there. The sign is different. <laughs> Dopey shit like that. But all the all the rest. We may. Did I drop that? Let's out? see.
No, you're uh, on. I'm on. Kevin dropped for a second. He's back. We're back. And I'm hard line, hard, I'm hardwired in. It may have been a Zoom issue. You're back. We're good. Yeah, it's telling it's, me my internet was unstable, but I am hardwired in. What the fuck? Um, anyway. Cool. What else we got? Uh, we can do some news, my friend. We can news it up. Let's news it up, man. Somebody said, uh, Anthony Zapata said, uh, we, I looked like Free Jack for a second there. <laughs> Max Headroom. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, the, there, there's some casting news this week, um, people coming in to superhero movies and people coming out of superhero movies. Okay. Person, person coming in, James Gunn, um, has found his Supergirl for the upcoming feature. Um, Melissa House, Benoist? Uh, alas, no, no, she don't want to no more. She's already done it. I mean, you know, I remember we're listening to Christopher Eccleston talking about whether he'd come back as Doctor Who, uh, come back for another Doctor Who. And he's like, you don't, you don't walk in the same river twice. He's like, I did it. I've done it. To come back to do it would be diminishing returns. He um, talked about doing, you know, uh, 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 Night Country. Uh, it was it called? <laughs> a detective Night Country. And he said, like, it's a small part. Normally, I would have said no to it. But the chance to work with like my hero Jodie Foster was what made me do it. I thought that was charming as hell because they both look old in the yeah. show. And that's not a knock. I'm not going like they're old. I mean, of course they're. If I'm 53, they're older than me. But that right. being said, to see somebody who's that old and who's been that accomplished in their field be like, oh, I'm, I'm a big Jodie Foster fan. It's kind of like fucking sweet. Like, yeah, makes you go like, oh my god, he's. Even though he's Doctor Who, he's not that much different than me. He also watched Jodie Foster. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember being at a convention in the in the UK, and the big guest on the the top of the bill. We were both there to do a to do a Fat Man in London, and Cumberbatch was the big guest. And I remember being in the green room where he was nervous as fucking hell to meet John Cleese. Uh, he was just like he was like a like a, like a cat who like walked next to a fan like he was just like i don't know what do i say like i've been do i walk silly do i do the thing like i don't i don't and just watching him like shake his hands like, i'm the hugest fan in the world thank you for everything like it's just everybody's a fan of something and so for eccleston to be like yeah man like i don't i wouldn't ordinarily want to go to iceland to shoot in a bunch of days of night but that where they're shooting that that yeah. show about it in iceland in iceland yeah I mean, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I mean, why Alaska too far? Um, I mean, if I had to guess, it's just because Alaska might be a little too developed in a certain way. Like you just don't get those broad like tundras up right. there anymore, or in a way that's close enough to a production hub to be able to shoot. But I think that maybe Reykjavik, maybe something up there has just the vibe they were looking for. Okay. Um. But yeah, so at any rate, um, it is not Melissa Benoist going back to be Supergirl. It is House of the Dragon actress Millie Alcock. Who, who is played, she on that show? She played the young Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen in the first season of House uh, of the Dragon. Um, Speaking of which, this is going to sound a little name droppy, but George R. R. Martin just texted me a few hours ago. Oh, what do you say? I'm looking for a word, Kev. He goes, can you help me finish this book so everyone gets up? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Um, he was. Uh, he said that right now he's he has his own movie theater as well, the Jean Cocteau movie theater, the Jean mm-hmm. Cocteau theater in uh, New Mexico. And I was. He came to Smodcastle um, last year, and I was supposed to go to his place. And um, uh, you know, then I went into the Nut House. So uh, his he's right now. He's like the theater's closed because we're redoing the bathrooms. But when it opens, can you come? And I was like, fuck yeah, I could come. <laughs> come hard to your theater you know he owns his own fucking trains like and i don't mean like choo choo i mean <laughs> choo choo like a train that you can fucking ride on i mean everybody's got their something that's that fucking that's that dragon money right there yeah that throny money i remember being on a zoom with him um a couple of years ago i think it was mid-pandemic when I was uh, I was in early conversations with HBO about potentially doing a, one of the Game of Thrones spinoffs. And so like, we love you. We want to put you on the Zoom with George to make sure that he signs off. It's like, great. And the entirety of the Zoom with George was like, I was working at Starlog and writing articles about Beauty and the Beast um, when it was coming out. I was like, oh yeah, I love Starlog magazine. It's like, I wrote on Beauty and the Beast. It's like, I know, that's where I know your name from at first was that. And like, you know, wild cards and then like the the awesome genre stuff that you've done before game of thrones you were familiar with wild cards yeah he loves it he's so proud of wild cards he's always talking about it he's like you know i was doing comic books for years before like we're popular <laughs> i know yeah yeah we, we were there we're old enough um needless to say i didn't get that job because uh he discovered because i told him that i never read the game of thrones books <laughs> so he's like Nice meeting you. Moving. Yep. On. This is a lovely Zoom, but I really think that a person who's going to do one of these shows should have read the books. I, said, <laughs> I was like, listen, like I can tell you, I think there might be a virtue in not having read the books. Um, but hey, man, this is these are your toys. You yes. get to decide who wants to play with them and who doesn't. So, thank you, sir. Take Bamf. care. Ooh, Banff man popping in here. The, the zinger back could have just been, I've been waiting to get to until you had them all written so I could zoom through them. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a way just, to ensure you get the job. Because you turn it back on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, he gets that everywhere, man. I, po- I posted, I was like, hey, George R. R. Martin's coming to Smodcastle. And people were like, tell him to stay home and finish his fucking book. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm no. going welcome into my theater. Like <laughs> that <a> seems brusque. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, at any rate, um, Millie Alcock is going to be playing um, Supergirl, which is based basically on the uh, the Tom King, um, Bilquis Evely um, miniseries, uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, it is not clear who the director is going to be. It doesn't seem as if um, Mr. Gunn is going to be directing this. He's very much focused on Superman Legacy, but he's committed to to sort of branching out and giving you the full spectrum of the Kryptonian experience. Um, I'm I'm here for it. Just hurry up. I'm tired of talking about this shit. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah, there's, it's you know. I know they only just started and we had a big strike that we had to sit through and they're about to start shooting the movie, but it's like enough talk. Let's, let's see some outfits. Let's, uh, let me wet my beak a little. Yeah. Like it's, it is the, this is nice, but let me see, let me see somebody in an outfit that's coming soon. We'll see it all. Patience kids. 
Yeah, but that is the the sort of perils of the open access to the filmmaker, which is like in the olden days, we'd get no access to anybody and no information about anything until you just saw a trailer. Like, oh, shit, I forgot they were shooting that movie. Now we just, we know a lot. And we're getting updates that are not what you want. Or at least not the thing. Not giving us a thing, you're telling me about the thing. Um, but yes. Um, and similarly, uh, somebody leaving a superhero movie um, Emmy winner Ayo Edebri is leaving Thunderbolts. Um, oh, she was going to play Julian Louis Dreyfus's assistant. Yes, um, not doing that no more. Not doing that no more. Um, she she's that. She don't need that. She's a fucking huge star for heaven's sake. She don't need a bit part in a Marvel movie. I mean, she she doesn't. But then again, it'd be a bit part, so it wouldn't require a ton of commitment and time on her part, theoretically. But it's all scheduling. It's all production got pushed because of the strikes. And so the window that she'd had for Thunderbolts has closed. And she's being replaced by a woman named Geraldine Vizwanathan, who was on, um, she's really good actually, on Miracle Workers that was on TBS with Daniel Radcliffe. Nice. Um, um, but yeah, and also Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son, who had been in Top Gun Maverick, um, is replacing or. It's unclear if Stephen Young was ever cast, um, but uh, but that is now who's going to be playing Sentry, is, is Lewis Pullman. I, it's, it's, <laughs> once again, I'm, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I get it. What we do is talk about things long before they ever happen, but it's like, Come on, just fucking show us a movie already. <laughs> just go do the thing. Yeah, show us Thunderbolts already. We're tired of waiting and stuff. <laughs> um, um, yeah. This, this, I think I'm going to classify a little bit as a rumor because the source is somewhat unverified. But according to the uh, website, What's on Netflix, um, the episode of Black Mirror called USS Callister Mm-hmm. Um, which had starred Jesse Plemons and uh, and and Nicole Miliati, or Krista Miliati, um, and Michaela Cole is getting spun off into a three-episode miniseries, which will have Jesse Plemons back, Michaela Cole back, Krista Miliati back, um, to sort of expand on that particular episode's universe. Which, and again, if you don't remember. USS Callister follows the story of a gaming company's uh, chief technology officer. He's a mastermind behind a popular multiplayer game and has a private copy of it, which he uses to torment his colleagues who fail to show him proper respect in the office. Um, It's very Star Trek. It's very classic Trek um, with Jesse Plemons as both the captain and the tormentor. Um, And it's great. It's one of the best Black Mirror episodes ever. So to get a larger version of that story, to get more fucking weird ass trek in space stuff from charlie brooker yes please yeah i'll I'll watch anything charlie brooker fucking does mm-hmm. somebody in chat said one of us has a really boring voice marty landon goes this guy's voice is so boring sorry Either me or you who it is it's it? probably me because he said it while i, I, was I don't know i think he might have said i think he's talking about me which i really fucking resent the notion that i'm referred to as this guy <laughs> this <guy laughs> you're on literally youtube.com slash kevin smith like you didn't get here by accident <laughs> that, yeah. not like you stumbled into a bar on hollywood boulevard and was like what's happening in here um all right yeah finally last bit of news 
um, which I found kind of encouraging. DIY film said boring enough for AM radio. Fuck it. <laughs> Over the traffic. We're going to be fucking AM radio rich kids. <laughs> We're going to be drowning in nickels. You just, you wait. <laughs> you know that money that the fucking smartless podcast just got paid by Sirius XM? Peanuts compared <laughs> to AM radio money that's in our future. Yeah, AM radio is the Superman 3 grift where we just take half in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All those half cents will be ours. Um, screenwriter David Kep, who uh, who wrote the original Jurassic Park and its sequel, Jurassic Park Lost World. Um, he wrote um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Uh, he wrote the first Spider-Man movie, the original Mission Impossible movie. One of Hollywood's legendary screenwriters has been working on a new Jurassic World movie um, with Spielberg to produce and um, as well as Frank Marshall. Um, it's unclear what the narrative of this movie is. Of course, I'm going to keep this super, super secret, but it is known to be launching a new Jurassic era um, per sources, which would seem to rule out the return of Chris Pratt or Bryce Dallas Howard, as well as Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and or Jeff Goldblum. Um, they are they are soft rebooting it, because why wouldn't you? Everybody fucking likes dinosaurs. And it's a, it's a fucking concept nobody gets tired of. Like, fucking, they shouldn't have done that park. <laughs> but they did it. Now they're going to fucking pay. Won't they ever learn? Yeah. I mean, look, I don't fault them, of course. Like, you know, it's a fucking cash cow for them and stuff. And by starting again without any of the other people, you don't have to pay them legacy cast fucking prices and shit like that. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the fucking actors. And it, like, they bring absolutely something to it. But come on. They're going for the dinosaurs. Yes. We are not here for the humans. It's yeah. the anti-Godzilla minus one. Godzilla minus one did get an Oscar nomination. It did. Sadly, not for best foreign language film. But really, should I can't believe they didn't run that. I can't believe that wasn't the submission for Japan. Like fucking, I I, I would have bet the house on that. Like fucking, what other foreign film was going to beat that in that category? I mean, yeah. I'm glad they got nominated for anything, but like, I feel that was that was an amazing film amazing yeah so strong i mean and you know i i saw the the uh, it was on x or blue sky or wherever it was the video of the vfx team learning that they got nominated for an oscar and it was like the most adorable thing ever because they're just so fucking excited you know like never thought we'd be here we made a godzilla movie for cheap for cheap they didn't have the fucking money man you look at that movie you don't realize how much money they did it for it's it's astounding when I afterwards I was like, how much was it? And I fucking looked how they made it and shit. All love, man. All love. Yeah. Somebody who's like, I know how to do this, make it work. And once again, I've always been that guy that's like, fuck the human story. More monsters beating each other up. Make the movie 45 minutes and just let the monsters fight. <laughs> this is the first time that I was like, you know what? Can Godzilla get out of the way? Because the human story is really compelling. <laughs> so yeah. Jurassic Park, man. I mean, I know it's apples and oranges, but like you got a high bar because Godzilla, they should do like Godzilla minus one version of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park minus one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they'll go back and tell like an origin story, like fucking, um, you know, John, whatever. Fuck. Young John Hammond. Yeah. 
something like that. But no, because then it's like him hunting for amber. <laughs> yeah, and I guess he could get into some, some scraps or whatever, some jams. But like, what jam is bigger than like I open the park and it fucking everything <laughs> and everything else? <laughs> it ate everybody. <laughs> um, but good for them. Universal. Uh, the headline here, kids. That headline again. Universal still knows how to print money. They do six billion dollars so far for the Jurassic franchise, and only more coming. This is why they won't make Twilight of the Mall Rats. They're like. Have you made us any billions? The dinosaurs <laughs> made us six of them. Six. Dinosaurs never grow old and they never die. Truly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there it is. More fucking dinosaurs coming our way. Children love a dinosaur. Fancy that. Um, and that's it for the news, my friend. Uh, let's throw in shit like Deborah Ann Wool is coming back for Daredevil. As is uh, Foggy. As is... Uh, um, Yes, as you said, Foggy. What did you think? Um, Elden something something. Elden something. Um, (laughs) He was was wonderful as Foggy. And it felt so bad when you heard, they're making Daredevil, but those cats ain't coming back. It's like, how are you going to do without Foggy and Karen Page? And, you know, as we've heard, they pulled everything back and we're redoing it. And now they're doing the right thing and bringing in everybody. They made made the Netflix show canon. Yeah. So I'm here for it. Man. Uh, there was other news. Oh, did you see the new Ghostbusters trailer? I did see the new Ghostbusters trailer. Doesn't it look like they're doing Ghostbusters the cartoon as a live action movie? Yeah. Like, I am fucking there for it, man. That's <laughs> how they cracked the code this time, where they're like, look, you know, fucking last time we brought back the ghost of fucking Harold Ramis, for heaven's sakes. How do we top that? I think it was fantastic to be like, Let's just do an episode of the show, kind of. <laughs> um, I can't wait. That looks fun as fuck. And all of our Ghostbuster heroes from our childhood are back. They are. They it's- are. I mean, it does. Th- there is a there is the weirdness of like either you commit to having new Ghostbusters or you just give us another old Busters. But the weird like suddenly we have to give some breathing space for Paul Rudd to kind of just be Paul Rudd. Where I'm like, ah, I, eh. like my, my, my level of interest in the Paul Rudd of it all is not that high. Whereas I dug the kids and I'm here for Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. Um, but it's the, the, the mid space. That's kind of odd. Um, in, chat, in chat, they're saying, talk about the curse. Did you watch the curse? I have not watched the curse. Have you? Loved it. Loved it. nine episodes of it. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like fucking, this is groundbreaking television. And then the 10th episode, I respect what they did, but like they made a choice. <laughs> they, they made a choice that, you know, some people are like, no, it's in keeping with the previous nine, but I'm like, really? I didn't see that coming at all. Um, <laughs> but it's t- totally worth your time and watch. I think Nathan Fielder's kind of brilliant. Emma Stone's excellent in it. Benny Safdie's ex- excellent in it. Um, yeah, it, I think, excuse me, I think he's also, because Nathan directed a bunch of episodes, I think he's a very strong director. Mm. I was watching his shows, and I'm like, I think this guy's a better director than I am. Like, compositionally, um, you know, the nuance of storytelling through a visual medium, I, I, I was very impressed. But, yeah, it's a great show if you haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, I, I owe it to myself. They leave you being like, you know, fighting with people. 
<laughs> in, in chat they're going like uh it's a twin peaks ish choice twin peaks ish choice absolutely i would <laughs> not argue that i would absolutely co-sign that outstanding um somebody in chat mentioned uh the monkey man trailer did you see that trailer i haven't seen it yet how is it it's pretty great it's pretty great dev patel um wrote stars and directed it um because I'm sure he was like, nobody's offering me these roles. Nobody's offering me the fucking action hero. Nobody's offering me Dev Wick, and I really want a fucking Dev Wick. And that's the movie. Um, and it looks like both stylized and action heavy and funny and satirical and, you know, very specifically kind of a, a, a movie for the, the Indian diaspora in a way that, like, your average Bollywood movie is not. Um, and apparently Netflix, who had sort of, I guess, commissioned it and produced it, didn't want it because I think there were some cuts that, that they wanted him to make to play in Netflix India that he was unwilling to make. They gave him the movie back. Jordan Peele saw it, was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, and so Monkey Paw picked it up and Universal is releasing it in, in April. And it it looks great. It looks great. And he looks great. Like, why wouldn't you have given this dude an action movie? He's Oscar nominated. He's fucking Dev Patel. Like, let him do the thing. Was it? Was he in Green Knight? He was in Green Knight. Um, he was in Lion. He was, of course, in Slumdog Millionaire. Like, he's been, he's been working for a good decade, decade and a half at just like good shit for a while. And so, here for that. Um, even though our our poster for this week was Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, we haven't talked about that trailer, which. I'm I am I was already a given for that show because I you, love, you love the series, the animated I series. I love the animated series. I love it. You know, and that, so it's, all right, wait, head to head matchup. Avatar or Blue Eyed Samurai. Um Avatar only because it got three full seasons. It got to do it, it got to tell its story. Whereas Blue Eyed Samurai, which I think is again phenomenal. We've only seen a season of it. So, you know, there's there's a chance it falls off the, the wagon. I'm not sure. But I think that, like, looking at it, it's giving me big um, One Piece vibes, um, which is, like, based on a long-running anime, um, but it's taking the best lessons from the anime, but also realizing that, like, this is live action. This is real. This is... Concessions will need to be made. Adaptations will need to be made. But they fucking cast it so well. It looks great um yeah man I, I of the things i cannot wait for it is high on the list um they're asking if we've seen the trailer <clears throat> for three body problem from the game of thrones creators have you seen I, the trailer I, I did not. i did um i have no idea what it's about but then again um i think that might be by design because i think the book that it's based on is very complex and twisty and and uh, full of some real heady sci-fi concepts, which don't lend well to like two minutes of whiz bang. Um, but I'm for sure curious because, you know, for six seasons, you know, uh, those guys made great television, great, great television. And so, yeah, and the last season was just okay. So I'm very curious about what they do next. Um, in chat they're also asking us about um oh i just missed it um there was something that we might as well 
weigh in on now i can't find it oh awards talk they want to talk about the oscars and the snubs i mean well let's talk about the most obvious snub which i did on the radio last week when i was on kfi am am radio kids the future of rock am am <laughs> um <laughs> we were uh <clears throat> i talked about somebody was like hey uh you know what about greta gerwig getting snubbed um i like i'm old enough to remember when driving miss daisy was nominated for an oscar uh but bruce beresford the director wasn't and i remember as a young kid being like how how does that happen you know one of the jokes on the oscars that year was like driving miss daisy the movie that drove itself because the director did not get nominated i don't think i've ever seen many movies that are as a much a part a product of the filmmaker as the director particularly as barbie was like the fact that it was nominated for best picture and she's not nominated for best actor is aside from the optics of that just fucking crazy but it's not like it hasn't happened before and when Mm -hmm. it happens it's always like crazy but this is really crazy because it's like she was nominated for fucking ladybird like it's not like this is her first dance they already love her how did she not get nominated is beyond me and this is this is not like you know this is a director speaking i i just i I can't understand how you could nominate that movie you could nominate the screenplay but you're like you know eh, i mean anybody could have done that it's like no that was a singular work of of a very particular artist uh, it, it, to me it's baffling but you know at the same time you're talking to a guy who really doesn't give a fuck about awards <laughs> you know but if i'm i'm sure like it would have been like insanely rewarding for greta gerwig to be acknowledged by you know the academy for fucking like doing something that was insanely original she made a fucking toy commercial that like i could watch again and again and again and that toy commercial had heart and fucking soul and breathed and made you feel and fucking laugh. And like, it was crazy. So I know Margot wasn't Margot Robbie. Robbie. Mm-hmm. Robbie. I never remember. Um, was, wasn't nominated as well. And honestly, that I, I'm, I'm not saying like, well, of course she wasn't. But that didn't surprise me as much as Greta not getting nominated. Um, for some reason, even though Margot is Barbie, but like, even you know, I'm sure the movie don't exist without Margot either. But it 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 was of a voice of a very particularly strong voice of an artist, and not just in the screenplay department, but also visually how it lays out like the entire fucking world. Like I, I don't know, it just felt weird that she didn't get a nod, but. Again, you're talking to a guy who's like, fuck them all, like awards. That means it's, you know, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that she has a titanic achievement in cinema, not just modern cinema, but across the hundred years of the fucking form. That movie is, is a massive accomplishment and, and just wonderful. makes you feel good and shit. And this is a byproduct of the Academy and this, and please don't, I I know some people are going to be like, he went on a rant. This is not me. I'm not telling anybody to change a fucking thing. I I have no power here. And I'm not saying like, let's write in or some shit like that. It's just weird to me that like, 
somebody who's that distinctive making a movie that distinctive doesn't get like shouted out for it. But when you nominate 10 films for best picture and only nominate five people for best director, this is bound to happen. I'm just shocked it happened in this case. Yeah. I mean, as you say, it's not, this is not the first time it's happened. <laughs> it's you happened. Know, both, both. Well, not many, for, but it's happened. Right. For, for both the director of a film not being nominated, though the picture itself is nominated for best picture. I don't ben think was not nominated was for best director. I don't think Ben was nominated for Argo. He wasn't and Argo still won, you know, and he was also the producer of it. So he got to give his speech. Um, Barbara Streisand was not nominated for Prince of Tides. Um, as director oh, right uh, yeah although the movie was nominated for best picture yeah the movie was but she didn't get nominated she didn't get nominated um so like it's not an isolated occurrence um it it doesn't quite feel like this weird anti-feminist thing that i think some people have made it out to be because like yeah but there's another female director nominated in directors Margot is nominated for Best Producer for Best Picture, as is Greta. Greta got Best Screenplay. America Ferrara got a Best Supporting Actress nomination. Like, it is not as if the movie went unrecognized at the Oscars. It is just that one that felt like it would be the obvious one. Luke Skywanker, great name, and Chad mm -hmm. put out the DGA did nominate Greta Gerwig. So the DGA was like, we recognize yeah. what We're happened. here for this. Yeah. Um, at least the DGA, yeah whatever members of the dga are also in the academy because the directors nominate their peers um it would seem that those two things are not in lockstep but i honestly felt like that they would have been uh kinder to air i thought air was wonderful and i thought affleck did a phenomenal job um i could i, I was kind of a little disappointed that there was no not love for air i thought like even though that came out in fucking february or march i thought like the academy would remember but they almost never do. Yeah. You know, the I mean, fact you know that, name the movie that came out in February that the Academy remembered the following year. No, uh, I don't know. Has to do with somebody we spoke very highly of this evening. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I guess. I guess it was um, Silence of the Lambs. Was it came out in February and they still remembered in fucking March or April of the next year. They they fucking won like that. That's always the one they point to. Just like when somebody back in the day is like, we're putting on your you're putting your show on mid season and you're like mid season. Nobody watched TV. They're like, that's where Seinfeld started in mid season. <laughs> right. I mean, the the and listen, Silence of the Lambs is an amazing fucking movie. That was 1994, if I believe, which was a completely different media landscape. And also that movie played in theaters for like five months. <laughs> so it got to ride through the summer and got to end its run in like August, I think. And yeah, but nevertheless. Um, Anthony Zapata in chat says, why the disparity between the number of Best Picture and Director nominations? That happened fairly recently. I believe it was around the dark night is mm -hmm. when the academy was like look we nominate five movies and they're generally all prestige movies and mainstream doesn't get a bite we're losing ratings so let's increase the best picture nods to 10 and leave everything else at five right which honestly doesn't really make a fuck ton of sense um, it was, it's literally like you know we just want to give you a thing viewer that you have seen in the movies 
Basically, it's like the blockbuster addendum. Like, we can nominate popular movies that the viewership will not have had to see this tiny Woody Allen movie or this tiny Iranian movie or this whatever it is. It's like, no, it's fucking Lord of the Rings. It's, you know, Dark Knight. It's, you know, every every like six years there would be the Titanic or, you know, Avatar or whatever, the big ass movie that was also nominated for a bunch of shit. But for the most part, it's almost never that way. It was like a couple of years after The Artist won Best Picture. I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> what is this little black and white French movie that's subtitled? This is something, look, I, I don't make fucking Academy worthy shit. Never wanted to. I'm, I'm not, I never went into this business for awards or anything like that. In the beginning of my career, they were very nice. Clerks won awards at Cannes. It won two awards at Cannes, the Prix de la Jeunesse and the International Critics Week Prize. We won a filmmaker trophy at Sundance and stuff. Um, and I was once told by my publicist at the time that uh, he was told by Writers Guild folks that Chasing Amy, uh, Academy folks, because he worked with the Academy, mm-hmm. uh, Chasing Amy came within two fucking votes of being in the five nominees for screenplay that year. And I was like, oh, that's fucking badass to hear. But again, was never the aim and stuff. So when I say this, this doesn't come from any sort of bias. And I'm not saying this. This is why I've never won an Oscar. I've never won an Oscar and I'll never win an Oscar because I'm not good. I'm not good like enough to win an Oscar. So let's just get that out of the way so I can say this. Winning an Oscar is not always based on merit because there are wonderful films groundbreaking films that don't get nominated um it is it has a it's there's a lot of campaigning and a lot of money to get spent um to run a film for for best picture like naively years ago i was like hey man michael parks gives an academy award worthy performance in red state like can't we run him for an oscar can't we like how do you get a guy nominated And, and my publicist at the time was just like i work with the academy Kevin, unless you're willing to spend half a million dollars, you're not even going to come close to the conversation. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's a campaign. It's like running for fucking office and stuff like that. And it's not payola. It's not like, oh, you got to pay off people. It's just, it's ads. The only thing that keeps like fucking the Hollywood Reporter and Variety going to this day are those fucking for your consideration ads. That's a huge business for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, and again, I'm not saying all this to be like, that's why I'll never win. One more time, I'll say it up front so I'm not misquoted online. I will never win anything because I'm not good enough to win a thing. But that being said, even if you're good enough to win a thing, it costs a lot of money to even get into the fucking race. You yeah. heard the same things? I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's A, yes, a studio has to be willing to spend the money. But B, it has to be like, the Academy Award nominations and wins are reflective of what the Academy wants to say about itself any given year. The narrative it wants to put forth. A great narrative will do more for a thing than the quality will do. It's like, Robert Downey Jr. is probably going to win an Oscar this year. Was yeah. his performance in, in Oppenheimer the best performance? I don't know. It's really good. Is it better than Sterling K. Brown? I don't know. Is it better than anybody else? I'm not sure. But I, I haven't seen the Sterling. I haven't seen American American Fiction. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But I will say this: Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, like that, that's what I walked away from Oppenheimer with the most. Like I was like, Jesus, Robert Downey Jr. disappeared and literally became somebody else, and that's hard for a guy who's that identifiable 
and has been essentially playing a version of himself for the last 10 years in Marvel films and stuff like that for him to disappear and become somebody else and make me forget that that was Robert Downey Jr. That was fucking impressive. I mean, and, and again, not taking anything away from that, Yeah, but the Robert Downey Jr. of today running for an Oscar lets the narrative be, here's a guy we've always rooted for. Here's a guy we've always loved. Here's a guy we nominated once too early for Chaplin. Now's his time. It's the, the we're giving Denzel an Oscar for training day instead of for Malcolm X. Like, we realized we should have done it. We fucked it up. Now we'll fix it for him just playing the kind of character we always kind of wanted him to play, which was bad cop, nasty dude, whatever. Jamie Lee Curtis winning Oscar. She's great in everything, everywhere, all at once. Is she better than Stephanie Zhu, who played the sort of pivotal character of the movie? I don't think so. But Jamie Lee Curtis, her narrative to getting up to Oscar gold is amazing. Like, horror queen, Nepo baby who's always made good, like been doing good work for a long time, finally is getting her due. Like, it's the narrative around it. Why does Green Book win? Because Hollywood wants to pretend it understands race. And this is our movie about race in America, and we fixed it, everybody. We just have to be nice to each other, as opposed to other movies about race that never get nominated. You know, like, it's it's always what the narrative around the particular nominee is and what Hollywood decides it wants to say about itself this year, you know? And are you willing to fucking press the flesh? Like, American Fiction is a tiny movie that costs, like, $12 million that sort of Amazon and MGM bought out of Toronto, but it's been four months since that movie premiered in Toronto, and they've been working it, working it hard. They've been going to all these festivals, they've been doing every event, you know, Cord Jefferson, um, who's a super sweet guy, has been someplace every third day to do some kind of Q&A screening, to do some kind of piece of press, to do some kind of whatever. Same thing with Jeffrey Wright, same thing with Sterling K. Brown. Like, they've just been out working it like running for office and it's hard but the narrative around that movie is emmy winning television writer um voice of a generation young african-american dude like speaks well very articulate like all of the the sort of buzzworthy whistle dog whistly kind of things about a young black dude who made a movie like he's the next spike lee he's whatever the narrative is strong like that's that's what it's about. It's about can you spend the money and do you have the story? It is rarely about what's the best movie. Calvin Lemon in chat like made me fucking type while I'm doing the show because I was like, is that true? He said, look at Napoleon Dynamite. Gets Oscar nomination, came close to the Academy Awards, and that was a sm another smaller film. And I was like, did Napoleon Dynamite get nominated for an Academy Award? Did I memory hole that <laughs> and i googled that and that's not true at all <laughs> so i does anybody why, why did he say that because maybe he just thought it did but it yeah. said here like it got close it said it won three mtv movie awards um, which is not insignificant it was nominated for an independent spirit award which makes sense but let me see critics choice award satellite awards grammy awards for soundtrack the independent spirit awards the mtv movie awards the online critics society sundance film festival teen choice awards u.s comedy arts festival golden trailer awards golden schmoes yeah there's no academy in here yeah 
close. I mean, hey, I got the release. I'm not date saying for- it's not like a beloved movie, but like I was like, I I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I I, I got the release date for Sons of the Lambs wrong. So not everybody's perfect. It's 91, not 94. John Thompson says MTV Movie Awards is perfect for Barbie, not the Oscars. You're all off your rockers. I mean, look, whether you like Barbie or not, like you have to admit it was a fucking cultural phenomenon. Like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Oppenheimer, so much so that fucking the whole summer was called Barbenheimer for heaven's sake. <laughs> um, you don't have to like the movie, but like, it's it's not like, yeah, that could be on the MTV Movie Awards. Like, no, it, it definitely deserves to get nominated. Point is, the director should have been nominated as well. But our point was, there have been times in the past where that has not been the case. Right. And but so, like, Affleck, I forgot about them. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, like, what will happen now is that Barbie will lose Best Picture um, to Oppenheimer. Um, it will win Best Adapted Screenplay, even though it's not adapted from anything beyond a doll that exists. And that's also a very tight category as well. Yeah, it, I think, they, would been, they would have been better off in the Best Original Screenplay category, but they didn't pick it. I think the Academy just yeah. shoved it into there. Yeah, they decided that it was adapted, you know, which I think American Fiction would have won Best Adapted Screenplay if Barbie hadn't thrown in there. Because that is, again, the kind of that screenplay is always the thing they throw to filmmakers, especially on the come up, um, to to say, you know, we loved your movie. We didn't we can't give it the big prizes, but here's like the lower rung of the adult awards. It's not a craft award. It's not a tech award. It's like, no, this is a creative thing. You guys wrote something that's great. So I feel a little bad. Um. All right, so I think that's I think we covered everything that they wanted us to talk about in chat. Yeah. Um and so we finished the news. Finish the news, finish the views. Talk about our views. Um should we do some cues? We can. Yeah, remind folks, hey Banff man, throw up that Ides of Mark, Fat Man Beyond live graphic. Kids, March 15th. In the great state of New Jersey, the Garden State, at Smod Castle Cinemas, um, where they're playing Stripes this week. Oh, very nice. Stripes, yes. Uh, the Ides of Mark return March 15th. Me and Mark are doing Fat Man Beyond at Smod Castle Cinemas right there in Atlantic Islands, New Jersey. Uh, right after the show, stick around for a free screening, secret screening. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but... but Doves may cry. How could you just leave us standing? <laughs> Come on. Um, and then mm. the next day, there's more Ides of Mark fun with screenings of Blade and screenings of Doomsday. But uh, come see us do Fat Man Beyond. You can get tickets right now at smodcastlecinemas.com. Go. We'll wait. We're not saying another <laughs> fucking word until 100 tickets sell. I'm bored. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, do we have any, do we have any cues? Oh, bam, bam. man. Uh, we do. Before we go into it, yeah. I want to give a shout out to, I think it was Mike who loves the show and his wife who, uh, bumped into me at Nordstrom Rack in Burbank. Uh, they were super nice. They pretended as if I didn't smell bad because I hadn't showered in a couple days. Um, so shout out to them because they said they've watched the show for years and they love it. So, I think it was oh, Mike. Hey. Nice, been. Mike. Somebody fucking else. But, celebrity, let a celebrity yeah. sighting. Fucking Banff man. Um, 
Also, just because I'm going to promote my own stuff for a second, uh, if you guys want to give us a follow on Instagram and on TikTok, we're doing some really cool stuff. I went through uh, and I went and picked out this, like every geeky event that's like ever happened. So like yesterday, did you guys know yesterday was Arthur Curry's in-universe birthday? So we had Aquaman's birthday. It was Aquaman's birthday. So we're going to be posting about stuff like that. I have dates like uh, Dick Grayson's in universe birthday. The date that Martha, uh, the the Wayne parents were killed, Thomas and Martha Wayne. So uh, we're going to be celebrating all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Superman's birthday. Do you guys know when Superman's in universe birthday is coming soon? February, February 29th. Superman was Ooh. born or was discovered on Leap Day. So we're going to do fun stuff like that. Um, and we have a brand new cocktail menu uh, with some fun stuff. Did you say cocktail? C-U-C-K? <laughs> I just um, want to watch you drink it. <laughs> so uh, we've been doing uh, some fun videos. I'll show you guys this. You might think it's cool. This is uh, our new Lord of the Rings drink. And if you hit it with a black light, it uh, it glows in the dark. It has the script. So a um, lot of fun stuff uh, there. So anyway, uh, now I've got Q and A's for everybody because they have. Um, uh, Dixon Cider pointed out in chat that Aquaman two cracked four hundred million at the box office, um, which you know is a very that's it's a big number. Um, it's respectable. The uh, it is, uh, the, but the first Aquaman was a billion dollars. So, right. um, but you know, of the of the year that DC has had, has anyone else cracked four hundred million? Like, did Flash, Blue Beetle, Shazam? Nope. So that's a big <laughs> accomplishment for for Aquaman, whose birthday just passed, as we heard. Mm. Happy birthday, Aquaman. Superman's next. Actually, I think one. I think Batman's birthday is mid-February. I think it's cool. And you celebrate the birthdays at the bar? Yeah, we're gonna have birthday parties for everybody. Every every big character at the bar this year. That's so clever, kids. If you've never been to the Scum and Villainy Cantina, like make it a make it a point to get there once in your life, man. There's fun shit like that. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. We did oh, um, karaoke. We had karaoke last night. And we did, um, let's see if I still have it. Uh, oh, it's not on there. We did, uh, I said, come sing an ocean-related song for Aquaman's birthday. We'll get you a drink. So I suggested like Ocean Avenue from Yellow Card and How Far, we'll go, how far I'll Go from Moana. A lot of good ocean right. songs out there. Uh, no Does good Billy Aquaman ocean songs. Out? Could you have done a Billy Ocean, covered Billy Ocean? And <laughs> yeah, not that... Have- <laughs> Queen. Yes. <laughs> uh, so just fun stuff like that. We're gonna we're gonna have some fun with it. Superman's birthday is also on a karaoke night, uh, Thursday, February 29th. Uh, so we're gonna have birthday cake and special drinks and um, a lot of really good Superman related karaoke songs. Get your asses to the Scum and Villainy Cantina, kids. Located in Hollywood, California, right on Hollywood Boulevard, man. Where all the stars <laughs> hang out. Right on Hollywood Boulevard. You're walking down Hollywood Boulevard, you're seeing, hey, there's George Clooney. Oh, oh my God. There's Mark. 
Feldman. There's uh, fucking Lindsey Wagner. It's crazy. Yes. I was sitting at the bar last Wednesday after trivia, speaking of, and and Kid from Kid and Play was there. How cool at the bar? is that? Sitting at the bar next to me. I didn't recognize him because his hair was normal. Or un normal for us, unnormal That's for him. But uh you got royalty in that bar. How right cool there. is that? Yeah, just hanging out at the bar. Nice. So Do a little dance, y'all. Like this, y'all. Like that, y'all. Feel Didn't the groove. Move. I feel it. I feel it, y'all. Make a little love, y'all. Ooh, <laughs> ah, ooh, ooh, ah, this party's at the fun house. This party's at the fun. We had um, young Han Solo walk in. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich walked in one one day. I wasn't there, and uh, and the employees said, uh, "He's like, they're like Alden Ehrenreich walked in, looked around, and just goes, nope, and walked right back out like he didn't know what he was walking into. Can you imagine Han Solo walking into the cantina and he's just like, nope, not tonight, not doing this. <laughs> oh man." Uh, but, all right, let's do but we scanned his ID at the door, so I know where he lives. <laughs> you can find Han Solo. You should maybe not say that shit out loud, man. <laughs> <laughs> I keep a database of all the famous people who come into the bar so I can knock on their doors and leave shit in the bag of their stoops. I, th I thought, um, you know, they... It was... I don't think the audience is ready to watch other people be characters they've known and loved for years. So I think that was kind of one of the problems with that Han Solo movie. That being more solo, that being said, I thought he was great. I thought he was great too. He was yeah, not I the problems he, I had with that movie at all. I agreed, 100%. He was he was really good. And I've seen him in other things. He was good in that too. Good in Oppenheimer. You know who's fucking good in Oppenheimer and didn't get a nod, but like really is like fucking the glue and he's playing the fucking paul newman part from fat man and little boy was maddie matt damon was so fucking an mm. oppenheimer i wouldn't have given him a nod just because i'm like wow that was fucking charming but uh I'm, but i'm a, i'm biased but yeah. I, I liked him a lot in that movie yeah uh, i mean look at our boy dave desmalchin was good everybody's good dave desmalchin's movie's coming soon man late night yeah. with Apple. can't wait march march or april um, all right, Jason. All right. Uh, Max Flay wanted to know, uh, what obscure 80s or 70s cartoon would you want to remake? I I did it. I, I guess it wasn't so... That, it's that not really obscure. obscure. Yeah, good point. All right, obscure 70s, 80s cartoon. Um. I, I, it's not like I would want to remake it, but I think it's ripe for touching. It, and that sounds far fucking more disturbing and filthier than I meant. Hey, are you ripe? Yeah, you ripe for touching. Uh, <laughs> Star Blazers. We're off to outer space. <laughs> leaving Mother Earth to save the human race. Our Star Blazers. They had a bad guy that kind of was like Darth Vader-esque, had a cool mask. Mm. Team, you know, fucking like in space. That, you could totally do that today. Um, but let me see. I can do anything. 
even like wait till your father gets wait till your father gets wait till your father gets home one of the only uh hanna-barbera cartoons to debut in prime time like flintstones um I might, I might go with Star Blazers. I think that could totally transfer over. And I watched a fuck ton of that. Mm. Um, or I was a big fan of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved that cartoon, man. I thought it was so cool. Uh, fucking good, cool stories where, like, you know, I guess it's not that different than what they did with the Jumanji movies lately. Right. People get mm. kind of sucked into a world and stuff. But, yeah, I like they They had a cool bad guy. Um yeah, Dungeon Dragons would be a fun fun one to do as well. What about you, Mark? Um, I mean, Chet seems to want Thundercats. Um, somebody should do Thundercats, but it should be somebody that knows the lore very well, and um, that's not me. What it's about also you? Not obscure. Could yeah. like Thundercats was huge. Obscure. Yeah. yeah. If you said Silverhawks, which was like Thundercats, but what if they were birds? Um, is way more obscure, but not that one. Um, I was a big fan of Galaxy Rangers um which was like you know a little bit x-men a little bit firefly before firefly you know but it was a western in space they rode fucking robot horses and shit and they were just checking it was all about the frontier and these these four you know enhanced individuals who got to patrol the frontier and solve crimes every week and deal with rustlers and all that shit like but it was just it was cool there was a vibe to it that i always dug um yeah, I think it'd be it'd be Galaxy Rangers for me. Banff man, look up Space Battleship Yamato 3199 because Argo Nuts says Space Battleship Yamato 3199 starts in July. Too late, Kevin. Is that was that the was name different of Star from Blazers? Star Blazers? I thought those two different things. Uh, I'm saying Space Battleship Yamato remake anime is. B forever Yamato Rebel sequel, but that's not Star Blazers. I don't think it? that's Star Blazers. Um, maybe it's what makes it's an interesting question. What makes it difficult is the fact that it has to be obscure, right? Because like naturally we could think of like oh this this, but it's like no, it's got to be something that not everyone fucking knew that well. Yeah. I uh you know Silver Cloud has one gem. No, well they just made a movie. They've like, done what, some three gem. years ago. Gem and the Holograms. I, may I may I tell you a story? Tell I guess me a story. It's now okay to tell, and you know it, kind of. I believe. Um, I wrote a gem script. You wrote a draft. Me and the kid together were hired to write um a pilot of a gem series, yeah, live action. Live action. Um. It was when Netflix was like, we're spending crazy money. And uh, it was, I, you know, I shockingly knew a lot about Jeff. <laughs> Another cartoon that like Masters I would watch because it was made, it was a Marvel cartoon at the time. Like it was made by Marvel Productions. They had a credit at the end of it. And it was a very like, you know, superhero-y oriented like dual identities. She runs the record label, but Jerrica is also secretly gem the biggest fucking act in the world and they had their own supervillains with the misfits and shit like that mm -hmm. and pizzazz so um 
I, I did write a gem uh, script and um, the pilot of a 10 episode series and stuff. It's not happening, um, <laughs> but I had a blast doing it. I, I'm, and the other day I was like, oh, maybe it could be animated, but it would have been an expensive live action show. But I was encouraged. To, I was told to write it live action. Um, but uh, you can probably still get away with it animated. Yeah, I would fucking. I mean, probably gem didn't leap to mind because I was like, I did that. <laughs> right it didn't pan out but that gem would be great for a fucking and you know i don't know if one would consider that as popular as fucking thundercats or something uh, maybe that is a little mm. more obscure as well known but mm. definitely not as well known as masters or or um thundercats or you know fucking yeah. the animated series there's I mean, my I show i'd like to redo batman the animated <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember if it's 60s or 70s. It feels like it's late 60s, early 70s, and not obscure, but Johnny Quest feels like it's kind of overdue um, a kind of reboot, rehash, re, re, uh, refreshing, rejuvenation. Easy enough to do, too. Like, in yeah. term, like, you've got your full mythology right there. I mean, it could be argued that um, who is doing it on Adult Swim, that, that cartoon? The Adventure Brothers. <laughs> They, you know, they're like, hey, we've been doing it for years. Yeah. Except like it stopped being Johnny Quest and became its own weird ass thing after like season two or three, which power to them. They just, I think, got bored doing Johnny Quest and was like, all right, what if there's, what if there's more things? What if there's henchmen? What if there's all this stuff? Some good suggestions from, uh, from, uh, the chat. Ready? Mm. Um, yes, Argo Nut says number one. Star Blazers is the English dub of Space Battleship Yamato, mm. so they are oh, making, which is I'm all for it. I don't need to make it myself. I'm just glad yeah. he's doing it. Um, Ryan Landis suggested Groovy Ghoulies in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh my God, I would love to do that. Um, and Ridge Flyer Thirty Two said Space Ghost. Absolutely. I I, I don't know if one would consider that obscure. Hmm. but uh, Space Ghost would be fucking astounding. You could do a fucking awesome version of modern-day Space Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to do Thundar also. I don't know how obscure Thundar is, but... Thundar, Thundar the Barbarian. Lords of Light. <laughs> Ukla the Mock. Which was named after UCLA. Are you wow. serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's where the name comes from. Wow. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> I always I always pronounced it Ukla. Ukla. Wow. Um, all right, JC, give us another one. Uh, I love just real quick. I don't know, because yeah. nobody said it. There was like this really obscure cartoon called Galtar and the Golden Lance. Uh that was kind Ooh. of like a He-Man meets Conan the Barbarian-ish um cartoon. And then uh I think though, if I could do anything, it would be the filmation Ghostbusters. Bring back that one with the monkey and the car. Um, Somebody yeah. suggested that they're like Ghostbusters, but with the with the ape, like yeah. <laughs> which um, itself based on a live action show. The uh, question number two. Um, I've had some time to think about this, so I can lead. Uh, Jacob Adcock wanted to know. Uh, if the three of us could collaborate on something besides movies, and I'm assuming a podcast, uh, what would you do? Uh, he says, you are also creative. Explore your passions and let us know. 
stage <laughs> stage play. I think we raise a baby. Oh my god! <laughs> That's three nerds oh. and a baby. <laughs> what a kid we'd raise! So oh my god! So well versed <laughs> in things that aren't real and don't matter. Oh. Um, you know, I bet you we could run a good business. Yeah, I was gonna say like a restaurant, but I feel like that's too easy like it's kind of you know like it's we already do, there what if there was a club that was a bar but we could also do a show at <laughs> don't knock it till we try it imagine imagine <laughs> um what a weird interesting question i thought I it mean, would be fun clearly a comic book clearly a movie script uh, a movie like me and mark could write it and jc could fucking direct it um, and JC is also fucking something of a writer himself. Did you like Yoga Hosers kids? Guess who invited guess who invented the Bratsies? That was fucking <laughs> JC. That guy. JC once told me a story. Him and Andrew, our beloved Andrew from fucking uh, you know, when we do the show live. Um, they were talking about a low-budget movie they wanted to do where these kids come across all these little Hitler clones, miniature Hitler clones, and it's kind of like gremlins. And I was like, that's fucking dope. <laughs> I said, like, can I have that? And they're like, I guess. And Yogos was born. I mean, I feel like that version, that version of Yogos. There was another version of Yogos that didn't have cool little brotsies. <laughs> but that that uh, it started with uh, JC and Andrew and shit. So yeah, and he can he can write as well. All three of us could write. I'd let him direct though. Although all three of us have directed as well. <laughs> Speaking of directing, yes, sir. When can they watch Splinter? We talked about it a minute ago, but we didn't fucking put up the graphic. Throw up the graphic, JC. Uh, I don't think I gave him a Splinter graphic. I don't graphic. have a Splinter graphic. Well, that maybe that's why we didn't put one up. Splinter, <laughs> tell them what's happening on Friday with Splinter. Yeah, I mean, I had been thinking about it for a while, you know, what to do with the short now that the sort of festival run is mostly over. There's a couple more festivals we have. We're, we're, we're playing, I think... I don't know if I can announce where yet. I think it's a little bit too early. But there's a, at the very least two festivals, one on the West Coast, one in the, in the middle of the country. Coming up in the next few months, there's a couple more festivals that we're out at. But for the most part, we're kind of done with that circuit. So it's like, what are we going to do with it? Like, what's where's it going to live? What's it going to, how's it going to exist from now on? And the idea was always, like, just fucking make it free on the internet. Like, I don't want to charge people for it. I don't want to make people buy it to stream it. You know, the fan base has been so fucking generous to jump uh, from the beginning of like giving me money to help make it. I don't need to get more money from people. So rather than continue to deliberate on this thing, I just said, you know what? We'll just turn the link live. We'll just turn it public. And so come this Friday, um, I will I will gladly promote it. I will gladly share where that link is. But just fuck it. You get to watch it now. If you were not a Kickstarter backer, if you were if you live in the UK or the UAE or Australia, wherever it is, and you have the internet. I don't think we're going to region lock it. So just like, yeah, just enjoy. It's there for everybody now. Look at that, man. After hearing about it here, after hearing about it for a long time, you're going to see Mark's directorial debut on Friday. We're doing it. I'll tell you where to find it. What is it? What on your socials and shit? Well, I'll broadcast on the socials minus Twitter because I don't do that anymore. Um, although I might just come back just to do that. <laughs> might as well put it up. Let that be your last tweet. Like, hey, yeah. Man. Watch the movie. Here you go. Um, film Friday. Yeah. As film Brian Friday. pointed out, it's Film Friday. 
Um, I do feel though, like to the previous question, whatever business we would run together also feels like it would be a reality show. Yeah. Somebody's like, amusement park, that's a reality show. We run a cruise ship, that's a reality show. We have a dry cleaner, that's a reality show. <laughs> Those cats, man. That's a reliable business right there. People are always getting their shit dirty. <laughs> I wanted to see if there's something that we could do that we had no idea how to do, but we just got plopped in it. And also just like given our having lived in Los Angeles for a very long time, I thought it would be fun if we started a NASCAR team and oh the three of us were in charge of growing a NASCAR team from like a tiny little, like building the car and finding the driver and, and, and it would be a complete reality show. And how awesome would that be? Like we'd be like the Ted Lasso of NASA of NASCAR. Can I, you know, can I drive? Because I think I'm a really good driver. Why I mean, not? You are the most offensive driver I know. <laughs> so like, let him keep going left and run into people if he has to. I, I, I would enjoy that very much. And plus, I think people would be thrilled that like that fucking he could die at any minute. Oh fucking! <laughs> but like, don't tune in for that. Somebody yeah. calls it uh, John Elrod in chat says days of blunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, all right. Third cool. question. Answer, uh, answer. We this question three uh, in honor of Kev's KFI gig. If you could pair two comic book. Oh, this is from Mike's story. Uh, if you could pair two comic book characters to have their own own morning radio show, who would it be? He would love to see Deadpool and Plastic Man in the morning or here. That's mm. it. Well, those are two great polls. So for a Saturday morning cartoon? Well, no, for a no, Saturday for a morning show. radio, like a radio show. Like you're driving to work. Who's your morning wait, drive? Wait, on AM radio? Yeah, AM, AM radio. radio. Who am I doing? I Two mean, comic Batman, book characters. Batman's been done a bunch now in like audible form. Um, I would happily do. I would happily do the characters I've been involved with in comics. So I would do a Daredevil. I would do a Green Arrow. Um, I would like to do the question. Although the question is very. I mean, look, every comic book is very visually oriented, but the question is, you know, fucking that's a real visual gag. So I don't know if that comes through on a radio program. I guess it could, but um, yeah, I'm a daredevil on green arrow. Oh my God. Green arrow, man. I could be doing not only just the voices I could be doing like, like that's an arrow. <laughs> that kind of shit. Like the human beatbox. Mm, nice. Uh, what about you? Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of love the idea of like a Rocket and Groot show, um, where Groot is just like the fucking he's the entirety of the whack pack, and it's always just I am Groot is the punchline to every joke. Mm -hmm. But I think Rocket is a really interesting um, talk show personality. Um, Guy Gardner would be fun. Uh, Ted Cord would be fun. Um, yeah 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 that's where i go i think i go like rocket and Groot. i think rocket and Groot would be a hey the names just 
beg to be in the fucking whack pack for somebody. Mm. It's a rocking Groot hour here on the K1995 AM. Like just doing a fucking morning radio show, morning zoo type show. Yeah. Literally the morning zoo. The morning zoo. <laughs> rocking and Groot's morning zoo. <laughs> oh, no, it's Groot, right? So it's rocking and Groot's morning wood. Oh. Oh. Nice. We got it. Just a little bit dirty. I'm sure Disney will let us do it. Give us our money now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll take our checks. <laughs> what about you, Bamp Man? I think my my head immediately goes to uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey, just because I'd love to have that, like, see how much of that sexual tension comes through in the mornings. And then, like, every time Jean is like, I had a great weekend, Logan, uh, Scott and I, and he just goes, oh, oh, moving on. Like, I just yeah. want to see him get frustrated every time she mentions her her married life. I have a pitch. I would like to do a morning radio show, but not with any of the characters per se as the host, but I would play a radio host who lives in either the Marvel or DC universe. So you like you would do like a two hour morning radio show in either Gotham, Metropolis, or just New York City. And as you're just, you know, talking, doing your morning, superheroes are part of your world anyway. You have to fucking talk about them. So you could pull off a pretty why are we giving this idea away? This is a, a great Stop idea. Who <laughs> didn't hear anything? <laughs> <laughs> the AM genie was never here. That's that's something we could there you go. That's what we could all do together. The fake fucking morning radio show that's set in the world of fucking Marvel or DC or fucking or everywhere. How about we don't have to limit it. We could literally do one for every universe. So we could do one for the Sin City universe. We could do one for the fucking, you know, uh, uh, Magnus, Dr. Robot Magnus fighter universe. Uh, Astro City. We could do Astro City. We could do Harry Potter. You know, hey, man, you're listening to Radio Muggle. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to copyright infringement the morning show. <laughs> podcast. You can talk yeah. for a free fucking show. Come on, man. This is a good idea right here. I can oh, be this shit writes itself. Ryan Landis just wrote weather report. It looks like Mr. Freeze iced over Gotham again. Like shit like that. Let's do I could it. Be the, the helicopter pilot. Like, let's go to the Chopper 7 yes. to see with Banff Man what's going on up there. And be like, you'll never believe it. The Incredibles have saved the city again. Um, Brent Age of Grogu has asked, would it be scripted or ad-libbed? I personally hate when things become a job or more work. So I would vote for ad-lib. Yeah, I think it's one of those, like, you have a general framework of, like, all right, well, today we're going to do fucking Galactus is here, and so it's like, we're talking about fucking, Gal what, what's on the horizon over there? So like, I don't know, Galactus, Galactus, what's it like? Whatever that is. But yeah, I don't think we need to be, like, reading scripts and shit. And we can have obscure guests, man. Like, you could pick, like, a classic fucking title and pick somebody who's in two panels, who interacts with the fucking hero, and be like, we're talking to, you know, fucking this person who met captain america uh hey man what was that like and he tells a story that we know from the comic and shit <laughs> or 
You, would you we, believe he's an <laughs> asshole? He called me the N word, and he didn't even know it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Captain America, man! It's like he woke up from 1944. <laughs> We're like, we didn't feel the same way about that word as a white dude in Brooklyn in 1944. <laughs> You're not gonna let us do the show, Mark. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> gotta make it fun for people. Would no, you believe there's a Negro in charge of Shield? <laughs> uh, Steve, to the whole thing as well. Steve, that's not no. Steve, keep it. We talked about this, Steve. Um, think about it, dude. We could have guests. You could have like you know, even without going like, ladies and gentlemen, Thanos is here. Just side, Foggy Nelson. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, maybe that's not sexy, but it's like he's real. He's in universe, and he would have a perspective. <laughs> Here's the hot dog guy set up outside the Daily Bugle. What can you tell us about J. Jonah Jameson? He likes it with everything. And he can be like, look, I don't know shit about J. J. Jonah Jameson's an asshole, but you know who rocks? Spider-Man, because he fucking takes a hot dog with his web, makes it himself, and then webs me back $4. <laughs> and the hot dog only costs three fifty. And he, yes, and I exactly. I, and I keep leaving all these fucking quarters for him to web the change back, and he never does. You know, that guy. Basically, I've got $300 in tips from fucking Spider-Man. He pays his fucking bills. Now, Daredevil takes and never gives back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he doesn't know what numbers are on the bills. I'm not really sure. Is it a one? Is it a 20? We're always going to get something different from that guy. Super Sean 064 said Ashley Johnson as the waitress in the Avengers being interviewed. Yes, exactly. That kind of thing. Oh, my God. I love this idea. Excellent. We're here with the owner of the shawarma restaurant on 53rd and Broadway. Tell us. I mean, your shop almost got after, after the attack After the attack on New York, um, your, your, your restaurant was destroyed. But in the aftermath, something special happened, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Thor broke the rest of the restaurant. Yeah, Thor broke my toilet. He can ship. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't worthy enough to pick it up, so it broke the toilet. <laughs> if only he had a tushy. <laughs> nice! Tushy.com, folks. com to get your own tushy. Fucking stick it on your toilet seat and clean your asshole with water. Um, I Look. I love that two questions dovetailed into one another because we were like, I don't know, theme park. I don't know this. I don't know that. This is our real estate. Making a goddamn <laughs> fake morning show in every fictional universe. We only have to do like 10 episodes for the first season. And if people like it, we come back and do more. But think about it. You do fucking uh. Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe, Harry Potter, as previously mentioned, fucking we could do brony radio like one episode set in each fucking reality that'd be dope man and we're always the same broadcasters like hey man you're listening to fucking you know dj and the squirrel or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but in Our each castle and mccormick <laughs> uh, and it's like a joke that we keep getting fired and we get new jobs and like this one's gonna be a lot fucking safer um, welcome to Gotham City, kids. I'm fucking. <laughs> we're in a different market. What's this market? Well, let's say we're in the big time, you guys. Gotham City. Just pointed out we could do it in, in Masters of the Universe as well. 
You could do one in Back to the Future. Like something happened at the Twin Pines Mall last night that we should probably talk about. Does anyone remember this being the Lone Pine Mall? (laughs) What if we just showed up on like Friday to the radio, the AM radio show, and just did it? And like didn't say anything. Done and done. If if uh, next time, like fucking, they give me like, hey man, can you want to take over two days? I'm gonna be like, yeah, but one of those days, we're gonna every drop, every radio break. Let's say it's a four hour show, right? Four hours. So every hour is gonna be a different fucking reality. Like we're <laughs> broadcasting live from fucking you know uh, uh, bedrock, ladies and gentlemen, you know. <laughs> Who the would water uh, fucking oh. number one? Everyone on talk radio would be baffled and on AM radio listening, be like, What did they say radio bedrock? Like what <laughs> acting like Fred Flintstone's real? I mean, there's gonna be like seven very confused people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the retirement homes are gonna be like, I knew it was real. I grew up watching Fred and Wilma, I knew they were real. We're gonna get rich off AM radio. You watch. <laughs> this is the idea yeah like we're gonna do it for free until somebody pays us and nobody's gonna nobody else can do this copyright fucking kev mark and jc this is our idea i love it yeah i thought i was fucking i felt like mark bernardin for a second there man where i was like giving away a good idea and then realizing it halfway through going shut up and then you didn't <laughs> you didn't shut up. You kept on going, Kev. Uh, I, wor- I workshopped it. We blue skied it in front of everybody. <laughs> there you go. That's the process. And now it's a matter of public record, too. So if anybody steals this fucking idea, we did it first. We did it first. Uh, is that all we got? I mean, uh, I think it. the keg is empty. Yeah. Truly is. And we, we're, we're now just sucking gas, kids. Um, did you have a good time? I know I fucking did. Fucking hell. You know when you're else you you know where you're gonna have a good time, where else you're gonna have a good time? Ides of Mark, Smackdown yeah, Cinemas, March 15th, starting with a live fat man on Batman. Uh, and then followed by uh a ver- a movie that is, is when it pours, it rains. And it's not cocktail. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, come see the odds of Mark. Come see us do Fat Man Beyond live, uh, or come see us do Fat Man Beyond live on a boat. February, yeah, we're on a boat, motherfucker, on a boat. Cruise askew, kids. It's coming your way. You can't stop it. It's going from fucking Miami to the Bahamas, then back to Miami. Happens uh, February twenty third to the twenty sixth. Tickets at uh, cruiseaskew dot com. Um. Oh heavens. Uh. What about uh. What about Chronicon, ladies and gentlemen. The just announced Chronicon that's coming to Chicago October 11th through the 13th, 2024. Man, the very first in real life Chronicon. Get your tickets now. Go to chronicon4real.com. Man, we're going to announce all the guests and schedule. I bet you I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Bernardin showed up. Wouldn't mm. be surprised if we were doing Fat Men Beyond there as well. Neither would I. Uh, Smodcastle Cinemas is where you're going to see Fat Man Beyond. Uh, Chicago is where you're going to see Chronicon. And uh, what else do I got? I guess that's about it, right? Oh, oh, look at that. JC put up uh, the Volgathon poster. Let me tell you a quick little story about Volgathon. So, you know, we've been doing Volgathons uh, for years. We started back in 1998. 
Uh, this is the first time we're ever doing it at Smog Castle Cinemas. And so we did a soft opening for Volgathon. I didn't promote it. I didn't put it up on Twitter. I didn't put it up on Instagram. And quietly sold that, sold it out. Like 230 people bought tickets to a $69 event that is basically every VSQ movie in a row from 9 o'clock in the morning to 1 in the morning on Saturday, August 3rd, the day after my birthday. Um, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, Clerks 2, Jane, Silent Bob, Reboot, Clerks 3. Eight fucking Busk Universe movies, back to back to back to back. Um, and it's sold out. But we own a multiplex. So we just put another screen on sale. So the first Theater 1 starts at 9 a.m. Theater 2 will begin at 10 a.m., the program. So tickets Ooh. sell right now for theater two, man. Scap them up before they're gone. The first theater is a 230-seater. The second theater uh, that we're selling is a 170-seater. So those tickets are going to go fast. I think we've already sold 50 of them. And this is the first time I'm publicly referencing this, um, and, and I haven't put it up on my socials yet. But I was so delighted that we sold out of a fucking entire event, and I didn't promote it normally i'm the one that's like hey did you buy a ticket hey did you buy a ticket so volgathon is going to be fucking fun man and and now i'm like there's a, you know seven months till the event happens i have the secret dream that we can fill all five theaters at volgathon Ooh, nice dagger them each by an hour so that the last one starts if the first one starts at nine so it's not <laughs> 10 11 12 one like the the last one would start at two o'clock and go till like four in the morning and shit um, but anyway, tickets right now at smodcastlecinemas.com. Come spend a day with us in New Jersey. If you make it to the end, I stole the idea that Mark told me about when he did the Marvel marathon. If you made it to the end, they gave you a fucking like a, mm-hmm. a medallion or something. Yep. So we're gonna do a challenge coin like like these. Like if you're if you if you're a member of that Kevin Smith Club, we've been doing like challenge coins. This one's a, a Kevolution series, all different looks of me and stuff through the ages um we're gonna do one of these if you make it to the end amazing you're you're gonna walk away with fucking your own cha- smod castle cinemas vulgarthon challenge coin. so tickets on sale right now at smodcastlecinemas.com thank you jc i completely forgot that i'd sent him the artwork for that as well um look at that don't forget masses of the universe happening right now now that we're watch done it. go to netflix and watch it People seem to be having a very good time with it, and I'm so delighted by that. Thank you. And we're never going to get to Masters of the Universe reparations unless you watch all of season two. I'm totally <laughs> telling Teddy about that. I was like, I have the title for three. <laughs> um, kids, did you have a good time? Well, that's because uh, JC, Bamf Man himself, got us to your homes. Give it up for Bamf Man who, like Will Wilkins, the unseen hero of all this, is the person who makes sure we get to you. Banff Man, make sure we get online. Will Wilkins, make sure you see us on YouTube, on Facebook, on anywhere that you can fucking watch the show. Um, but there is no show without the guy in the other box. I'm in the litter box. He's in the other <laughs> uh, I'm in the night up, country. Give it up for uh you are. Is that where you are? I guess it That's is where country. I am. I'm in the Borealis night country. Borealis behind you. Uh give it up for marvelous Mark Bernard and ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, there it is, kids. There's about almost three hours of Fat Man Beyond for you to fucking play around with. What time do we start? Yeah, about eight ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So two and a half hours. It was a pretty long show. We went for it. Yeah, you got some news. You're up to date. You know everything about the culture that pops, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out with us. For Fat Man Beyond, uh, uh, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernardin. Tune in next time, ladies and gentlemen. Same Fat Time Kids. Same Fat Channel. Smodcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. Double Jeff's Kiss Kids. This has been a Smodco Internet Production. Sip. Only at Smodcast.com.